Wrestling Geeks This is your pal, Dane Alves. Another enticing episode of Wrestling Geeks Alliance. The show in which me and my amazing co-host, Christopher Brother Ray Patton, break down the latest and greatest in professional wrestling news and provide you with reviews over the uh, shows that we uh, cover. So we have a huge show for you today. Got a little bit of everything. Um... We're going to go over Monday Night Raw, we're going to go over SmackDown, we're going to go over the Wednesday Night Wars itself with NXT and AEW. Uh, for all you New Japan fans, we're going to wait until the next show to really cover the G1 tournament as a whole. <laughs> Allow me, personally, to catch up with a lot of stuff that happened. So next show, look for that. Uh, we'll definitely go in-depth into the G1 tournament. Um, and before I you know, introduce my co-host, I just wanted to say that I have been enjoying a lot of wrestling as of lately. MLW is about to start up, uh, which is awesome. Big fan of MLW. And we'll get to some some theories that I have a little bit later on the AEW podcast, or AEW section of this podcast, I should say. And if you have not been watching the Ring of Honor Pure Tournament, check it the fuck out. Jay Lethal, you know, just everyone, uh, you know, Gresham, Everyone that has been involved with that tournament, it's been really good. If you like pure wrestling, uh, no pun intended, check that out. But uh, thank you for listeners that have been listening to us for a long time. We appreciate you guys. Uh, interact with us on Twitter and on Facebook. Just go to Geek Vice Nation on either of those platforms. You can find me at Danals42. Um, and, you know, we can have a conversation about it. All of our newer listeners are checking this out for the first time. Appreciate you guys as well. Uh, keep on listening. We do this show. Usually uh, try to get one show up on Friday and one show up on Sunday. Uh, this is one of those weeks where Chris was able to allow me to have band practice on the day that we were supposed to do our show. So this is an overhaul. But uh, it's going to be a really, really, really good uh, show. And actually, admittedly, because I try to be transparent with you guys out there, especially our older listeners, I drank a lot last night. It was Friday night. I worked all week, and I'm a bit hungover. So Chris uh, is going to take over the process of running over the shows, and I'm going to comment. So we're reversing the the thing to put a little bit less on me because I am disabled with uh, a hangover. Uh, I'm just kidding. I, I don't want to like put it like that, but, you know, whatever. But either way, past <laughs> Co-host, uh, Ray Patton, how you doing, sir? Man, look, you can't be Ricky Morton all the time. You just can't. Uh, it, unless you're Ricky Morton, then you can always be Ricky Morton all the time. <laughs> but, yeah, I'm doing great, man. Uh, I had some beers, watched a lot of the G1, some crazy shit to talk about on Thursday. 
uh, I think it's going to blow people's minds, especially if you're catching up like we we are. And uh, man, just super stoked to be here talking wrestling with you. And uh, I'm going to blow people's minds. We're going to start this out with SmackDown. Dane, how do you feel about SmackDown? Well, man, um, as I was telling you before the show, and I don't know, I think that you agree with me. I think SmackDown might have been the best show this week. And I know Busted Open's uh, known for doing this, of picking the best show out of the week. And, I mean, a lot of places always go to either AEW or some would go to NXT. But I don't know, man. The the the, uh, the concept of them having the, the, the season premiere, which, honestly, Chris, that's actually one thing i got to break down. And a little bit of a uh, <sighs> – before we go on with it, something bothers some. All right, I get that what you're doing is you kind of have two premier concepts. The overall of, of, of the storylines going forward end at WrestleMania. But now you have to have this new season premiere concept later on when shows are coming back out. I know you're trying to compete with all the fall crowd, with all the ones that took like a break during the summer. I get how television works. But really, honestly... The season fucker premiere is the is the Monday Night Raw and the SmackDown after WrestleMania to me, and I don't understand how we can call anything else a fucking season premiere. I know it's a small stupid detail, but do you have any type of like? Do you grip me at all? You know? No, I mean it's not a season premiere if you're 365 days a year. Like <laughs> there is no season premiere. <laughs> That's ongoing. A good like you're just an ongoing thing. I mean, WrestleMania is the reset, so giving the draft being the the season premiere or whatever uh is a bit ridiculous. So I completely agree with you, especially because they didn't make it feel special at all. And a lot of people landed exactly where we thought they would land as far as feuds go. Let me just say that if you're you should take the championships out of the draft. It makes absolutely no sense. I mean, they kind of did it with the tag team titles to throw us off. So I guess that was a whole reasoning behind it. But normally like the first picks of both groups are picking their champions. It's kind of like, duh, we knew where a lot of them are going. I know that I, I told you that I forgot who was the one, if it was Sullivan monster, if it was, um, Raj Geary from wrestling Inc suggested that, Get this set up, you know, in advance. You have the pandemic right now. Use it to your advantage. Kind of like they're doing the little, uh, you know, telling us that certain people, certain wrestlers are watching the show, which I will give credit to SmackDown. That was a good idea, and WWE should continue doing that. But what I'm trying to say is that it just does not make any fucking lick of sense uh, not to try to get Stone Cold and The Rock involved in this. They could be remote from location. And they could be the quote-unquote official commissioners representing Ron SmackDown just to say the names. Not saying that Stephanie McMahon isn't great, but I think it takes a lot of away from it where I don't care as much if she's just going to go out there and list people on both sides constantly. If you actually have that aesthetic, if you can't get The Rock, John Cena, someone else. I mean, it's, it's an easy thing to replace. They're at home. A lot of them are not doing anything and have Stone Cold represent Raw, The Rock represent SmackDown, even have a little shit top between the two. Even if it's between exchanges on fucking Skype, I think that it would be better 
than the way they went about it. It was boring. And not showing the talent, who apparently a lot of them don't know uh, where they're going, you know, show them again like you used to do, because that's actually a kind of a cool concept. It just seemed kind of dry to me, the whole process of it. Yeah, I have to agree with you. It was literally like, hey, we're shoving these guys here and we're shoving these guys here and that's the draft. Uh, The championship stuff is so baffling because if you're drafting, uh, if you treat this like any other sport, if you have a chance to take all of the champions, why would you not take all of the champions? In what world would would you draft someone above the champion? Uh, that's some of the dumb shit that they do, which it's easy solved. Like you said, you just like the champions are the champions. They can't be drafted. They stick with their brand or whatever, which is an easy way to do it. But it would be way more interesting if you could get like the U.S. champion and the IC champion on the same show. Right. Or both women's champions on the same show. It's like, oh, we fucked up in the draft. Damn it. Uh, but like you said, like uh, having someone there to make that more important, like a Stone Cold or a Rock for whatever brand they're on. And it doesn't necessarily have to be Stone Cold and the Rock. It's just any kind of authority figure. Those would be the, the best to do it if you were going to do it, I think, Stone Cold and the Rock versus each yeah, other. Because who reminds you more about Raw, Monday Night Raw, than Stone Cold Steve Austin? Who reminds you about SmackDown literally from his – repertoire of phrases than the rock i mean it just yeah <laughs> yeah and i mean even if you couldn't get them you could get uh i mean they just did this with hogan and uh flair right so you could still have like hogan and flair those are two exactly. good ass promos there's a lot of other people you could go to i mean you could do you know fully and uh angle there's there's just they just didn't put any thought into this at all which we know from triple h being like so nxt is not part of the draft huh so dead <laughs> wait so so what we're saying is that uh nxt is not going to be uh involved in this we kind of told him that you know months ago but uh what I don't know. I was trying to get like you know maybe Kevin Owens and, and Alistair Black and Shinsuke to doing something kind of good instead of whatever the fuck you're doing with them. Nah. Nope. Listen, listen here, pal. We're gonna get straight into SmackDown. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. Uh, all, all joking aside, you're you're 100 right. It's so fucking weird, and even he was baffled by it. And I can't blame him. He's like, uh, I thought we were doing this. Okay, we're not doing that. I should not talk about that on a public I'm just trading saying, call. <laughs> I'm just saying the fact that he seemed like he was a little bit out of the loop or didn't know what was going to happen. That says a lot because. Honestly, if NXT is going to be going against AEW and you only force that show to go against AEW on Wednesdays, try to, like, nick them, why wouldn't you put some big superstars that made their names in NXT back on that platform? It makes no sense whatsoever. You're not doing anything substantially with some of these guys, especially like a Shinsuke Nakamura or Samoa Joe. Like, what the fuck are you doing with them? You're 100% right on that. But, like, even from a business perspective, could you imagine if, like, Apple or Microsoft or Google walked up on stage and was like, we don't know what the fuck we're going to do. 
We'll announce it tomorrow. <laughs> it's like so baffling. Sorry, we're right. we're trying trying to figure out exactly what we're doing. Um, it's it's uh it's it's gonna be good. Um, but yeah, we have to we have to figure figure ourselves out. Sorry about that. And then they just walk off. Yeah, it's like I don't know. Here's the new iPhone. We'll figure it out tomorrow, I guess. It's so weird. All right, well, let's get into this a little bit because uh, they lied to us. They told me that Stone Cold Steve Austin was going to be on the show. And Stone Cold Steve Austin was on the show, but only to promote football. And he was on the pre-show. Fuck that. That's stupid. Ugh. Why would you take advantage of Austin in such a little minute way? I, you know, I'm all for Austin making his money, and if he wants to do football, like, having Austin talk about football sounds amazing uh, as a football fan, but I was just like, that's what you did with Austin, and then we also, earlier in the day, Bill Goldberg was teasing showing up on SmackDown, which didn't happen, Uh, so I'm assuming next week. What are your thoughts on both of those, Dane, I guess, before we get into the, the meat of this show? I'm going to say cameos via Skype on uh, the pre-show and during the segment does not constitute Stone Cold Steve Austin being a part of the program. <laughs> Having Goldberg in the computer crowd, if you will, uh, that you can barely see. By the way. All right, I love that you guys had Ric Flair out in certain matches. I love that you guys had, you know, Goldberg and Keith Lee on certain matches. Mark Henry was on a certain match. Tell those guys to get better, you know, something, because some of them visually were terrible. Goldberg was one of them. But just saying, the, just saying oh, Goldberg's watching, and then Keith Lee's watching, and they're both <laughs> next to each other in the crowd. You can't hear them. You just get to watch their reaction. Very subtly, uh, just like Ric Flair with his sunglasses on in the uh, tag match. That's fucking dumb. I mean, I I get it. It's good to do it like that. But if you have Goldberg and you're promoting him to be a part of the show, that's not enough uh, for me. And I, I think I know where it's going. Roman's going to go over his cousin is what I'm assuming, Chris. And then Goldberg is going to be the next person. Him and Goldberg are supposed to have a match at WrestleMania. Obviously, that fell through because of Roman getting out because of the pandemic. And he just cut over cancer and has children and shit. Very understandable. But Braun took his place. I get that. So there is that want to have that match. And I don't have a problem with Goldberg putting Roman Reigns over. It's a big accomplishment on Roman's, you know, already awesome uh, new character. But personally, to me... Goldberg's not really necessary, and they didn't even mention Keith Lee, who was watching Braun Strowman, because that's who he's been feuding with. So I thought that was very strange, maybe an accident by the commentators. But yeah, you could definitely see him in the audience, but Goldberg actually did not make an appearance, neither did Austin. Bad advertising. Yeah, I mean, Austin was all over the pre-show, but it turns out it's just a setup for college football uh, or Sunday football, I should say, NFL, with uh, Glacier, 
who is on their kickoff show, basically. And that was the entire usage of Austin, which was just absolutely terrible, in my opinion. That's a waste. If you're going to tease people and say Stone Cold Steve Austin is going to come back, you can't. You can't have Stone Cold just show up and talk about football. As much as I love football and Stone Cold Steve Austin, that was not my expectation at all. Well, I think that you'll agree with me that arguably the two of the biggest stars, even though how, however mere you feel about Goldberg, of the you know Attitude Era, if you will, the Monday Night Wars era, was Goldberg and Stone Cold. You said both of them are going to be there, and that's how you use them. That's not – that's – I don't know. False advertisement. <laughs> yeah, I mean, in, I think a bigger problem is they like they didn't even put themselves over as being there on Twitter. <laughs> I know that sounds crazy, but like uh, I sent you that message from uh, Jeff Jarrett because he was one of the virtual members of the crowd or whatever, and uh, he like tweeted that stuff Im- immediately. He's like, "Hey, look at me! I'm here! I'm, I'm it's a huge deal." Which is very smart. Which is smart for him in the products. But uh, Stone Cold's like, I'm here talking to Glazer. You going to talk about the Browns? What? You going to talk about Dookie? What? <laughs> uh, it, it, was, it was fucking weird. But it's Fox. So my worry is they're going to continue to do this. But let's, let's get into the meat of this show. You want to, let's, let's talk about the actual main show. How do you feel about that? Yes. All right. Well, Michael Cole and Corey Graves, they open up from ringside and, you know, talking and talking triple H, triple H and Stephanie, man, we're in the ring. Uh, Triple H noted, he, basically we have a whole draft recap. Owen sits a massive cannonball off the apron. Montez Ford sits a huge dive. And then uh, all of a sudden, Lars Sullivan's music hits. And the only person in the ring is Sami Zayn. <laughs> I want to say Kalisto and the Street Profits. And Sami Zayn just gets the fuck up out of there. <laughs> As hard as possible, which was great. And then uh, Jeff Hardy uh, shows up after Lars Sullivan dominates like two or three people. That's what I got out of the first segment of that. What did you have out of the first segment of that? Well, I liked seeing Triple H do the Rick James thing. That was pretty funny. Doing the super freak to talk about Lars Sullivan. That was awesome. But, you know, putting over. Putting over the new day, putting over uh, certain new people that are part of it, kind of getting everyone hyped up. That was good. Um, Lars Sullivan, whatever. I, if you're gonna have Lars Sullivan part of it, that it, it would have been cool to have a, a stare down because I noticed he just left. But between him and Braun, because we're not gonna get that, so it would have yeah. been something just a little bit. You know, they they both kind of represent their brands in that way. We obviously know about a lot. All the creepy shit involved uh, recently, just recently, in like after he fucking premiered uh, with him, with Lars Sullivan. But uh, you know, I, I I thought it was I thought it was fine. It was a good opening. It showed off like a lot of superstars. I don't get the point, even though they're good at reacting to it, Chris, of having superstars against their nemesis. <laughs> Basically, I don't understand any of those segments where everyone's out and out there, even Braun Strowman. I loved how Sammy was like, 
patting Strumman on the back before the draft, and he kept on looking at him like, fuck off. Well, not the draft, but uh, before they went to the ring, I should say, up on the thing, and Sammy's acting all animated, and then he skips out and fucks over Kalisto and, like you said, like a couple other people, and lets uh, Lars Sullivan just destroy them. I thought that was great on Sammy's behalf. And, yeah, we're going to have a match with uh, Lars Sullivan and Jeff Hardy. So they, they set it up. It was fine. Um, I just, like I said, I don't know how smart of an idea. You know, we've had a long track record with um, Lars Sullivan. The homophobic and um, kind of racist stuff that he said back when he was younger that was drug up. But then finding out that he participated in certain things that might have contradicted that, if you understand what I'm saying, and that getting drug up, his anxiety problem were a lot, you know, revolved around a lot of that. People thought this guy was going to be the next Brock Lesnar, and people need to stop saying that, even with Rich Holland, because Brock was a fucking freak. He was as giant as he was, great wrestler, actually legitimate fighter, but also could do very agile stuff, and I don't see R. Sullivan ever doing some of the stuff that Brock Lesnar did. Um, it's just weird that we're still really going to like capitalize on him, but then again, you know, from a lot that we know, there's certain other wrestlers involved in WWE in some way that have certain accusations. Like, if you're going to hit on a yoga instructor, try to like get better moves, I guess. And if they're married, <laughs> probably back the fuck off. I don't know. Uh, uh man. So Sami Zayn was pretty good. <laughs> he was Jackies. great. He was pretty good there. He was just like, Hey, you guys we're we're together, right? I'm out. <laughs> he just left. He actually got them together. <laughs> To group against him, he like motivated all of them, and they ditched out on all of them. It was great. <laughs> he was just like, I'm out. Uh, Lars Sullivan. What can I say about Lars Sullivan? Never liked him. <laughs> we'll start with that. Uh, this match with Jeff Hardy. You just re-signed Jeff Hardy to a two-year two contract to keep him away from AEW, and then you have Lars Sullivan beat him. This is what you're doing with your oh. legends. Right. The match itself was fine. Uh, I'll give you a brief rundown. Uh, Hardy was in control at the very beginning. Then he sold his knee. Sullivan took over and was firmly in control. He hit a sliding clothesline for a near fall, missed a diving headbutt. Hardy uh, went off and started making a comeback, but couldn't knock Sullivan off his feet because he's a monster, right? Sullivan regained control, but Hardy hit the whisper in the wind for a one count. Sullivan sh- uh, shoved Hardy to the floor. Hardy jumped t- off the ring steps, but Sullivan caught him and slammed him on the apron. Jeff Hardy hit the twist of fate and climbed to the top rope for the Swanton Bomb, and Sullivan jumped up to his feet. Hardy was shocked that Sullivan just jumped right back up. Sullivan grabbed Hardy and hit the freak accident for a win, and you buried Jeff Hardy, and Lars Sullivan won. I'm going to let you speak on this one before I just bury the shit out of it. <laughs> Not as a match, but as a booking. <laughs> so go ahead, Dane. Well, if I'm to try to not defend their booking, but understand their booking, which is a very different thing. Uh, Jeff Hardy's expendable when it comes to the, he can come back after a loss. Lars Sullivan needs a push. 
whatever. You have Gene Snitsky meets a French angel, basically. Great. Just, I mean, he's literally a person shorter than fucking Braun Strowman. But if they're trying to build him, this is a good person to go against him. I mean, Jeff has literally, you know, won for everything outside of losing that IC match with uh, Sammy taking the belt in that ladder match with him and AJ. Uh, so Jeff has been treated pretty well. I just think that that that. They needed Lars to get a strong win, I guess, to build himself up, but I think they could have picked a better person uh, than Jeff Hardy for him to beat. When you say Jeff's been treated pretty well, are you including, like, the time that he accidentally ran over a person because he was a drunk driver or (laughs) fought in the bar with Sheamus for a while because he's an ex-alcoholic? And uh, had the IC title for like two weeks and then lost it because Sami Zayn's the real IC title. Like, in what world was this a good (laughs) Jeff Hardy push? Well, I'm saying um, in the the concept of of him, uh, you know, overcoming that obstacle, I guess. And apparently... Part of the storyline was presented by Jeff to do a I came over alcohol. If 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 I'm supposed to believe that and they WWE forced him to say this type of concept, um, then there's that. But if if he was really trying to take a stand on that, and this is somewhat his idea, which I'm trying to believe him, um, which I don't, honestly. I feel like this WWE just pushing this on a superstar. Don't get me wrong, Chris. I definitely do. But if he's trying to take ownership for it and he won against Sheamus and that whole entire fucking terrible, terrible concept, uh, and now Elias is after his ass because of it, which I'm glad they kind of wrapped it around, but we'll talk about Raw later. Um, Jeff did win the IC title. And I think that his feud with Sammy and AJ actually was pretty awesome. Uh, So that definitely takes a little bit of the sourness, I will say, out of my mouth from the him and Sheamus sort of thing where he turned to Brother Nero as like a hint that is absolutely going nowhere. But still, um, he was happy enough to take them dollar amount for whatever the fuck they re-signed him for. So, do I wish that, it, that Jeff Hardy went to AEW? Absolutely. But it didn't happen. And uh, I have to assume from a lot of stuff that he says that he's happy where he is, even though I don't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even have a problem with him not going. It's just, like, more of the storyline. Uh in the waste of Jeff Hardy, you can find a bazillion people for Lars Sullivan to bury outside of Jeff Hardy. And I guess they're going to get a feud going, but are you going to give Jeff Hardy his win back? And what does this do for Lars Sullivan? And why are you guys so hyped on Lars Sullivan? (laughs) Like, I don't, I just don't know where they're going with it, but uh, we'll, we'll move on to the next match, which was absolutely fucking incredible because you, God damn, you have so many great workers in this match. You got, you got the entire New Day here. You got Kofi, you got Big E, Xavier Woods, 
And then on the other side, you have Sheamus, Cesaro, and Shinsuke Nakamura, the the king of strong style himself. Uh, Absolutely great match with so much emotion. Uh, New Day came down to the ring, and already Woods was... Xavier Woods was about to cry this entire match. (laughs) He was pointing out Big E the entire match, and... uh, he came coming back from that Achilles injury. He didn't look like he, he lost a step at all. He was pretty much the person that took the ass beating the entire match, him and Kingston. And you get the big comeback. You get the midnight uh, was, it was the midnight train at the end. And uh, you get you get the finale of the match, which is the New Day wins over, um, you know, Seamus, Cesaro, and Shinsuke Nakamura. I would say Nakamura looked really good here, and there was a good segment in this match, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, where they hit the... Uh, there was like a couple tag team moves in a row. Uh, specifically, Seamus went to the white noise with Shinsuke kicking the head, while, which they've done before, but there was like two in a row of that in the middle of the match. But... uh. Yeah, really, 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 really good match. Probably the best tag team match I've seen this week. <laughs> I should say. It seems like every week there's another one. And but, there was uh, a couple of good ones. Yeah, this this was a really fucking great uh, tag team match. I hate three matches, but this one made sense. And uh, I think the emotion got to me a little bit. I think it got to you a little bit too. It didn't get me get to me at first and then you messaged me on Facebook and it, it ruined me as a person. <laughs> God damn. Xavier Woods, I swear to God, Chris. Uh, he's just so I don't know. I've I've watched not only stuff, you know, involving Kofi winning the title and just even their stuff online when they were talking about the Black Lives Matter stuff, you know, and talking about the shootings that happened. Xavier just, he's a sensitive dude, and I guess I'm a little bit sensitive at myself, and uh, when it, it gets to me, Kofi started it, though, I will say, at the beginning. Kofi's like, I can't believe I'm about to cry before a tag match. It's like, I love you guys, man. You guys have been doing such a great job, you know, just as a trio, and now you're going to be able to extend yourself because... You guys, as tag champions, you guys can be- beat more records, again, on Raw. You get to build your repertoire. But even individually now, Kofi is someone, I think, at least, on Raw that could you could put in the championship picture, and it makes sense, especially like with people like Randy Orton and Drew McIntyre in there. You know, I don't think that's, that's a weird concept. Xavier is the last one. And I really feel like their their goal was to have all of them become champions. Biggie, I think, is getting that. I think that he will get that. But Xavier Woods, I think that we're going to see some small steps in that direction. And even if it's you know in the U.S. title picture, you know, just to have him win something outside of the tag team picture, they have built themselves. They are the most dominant tag team in WWE. Period. You know, you can talk about the Dudleys and them winning titles in every other place and having the most title reigns or Hardys with a lot of the stuff they've accomplished with the same concept. But when it comes to WWE, you know, now they've had the longest. Uh, They're almost about to to beat the most title reigns. They've done it all. 
and it's now it's it's time to see what Biggie can do by himself. And I actually think this is a good move uh, overall for all three of them. Um, the match was awesome. I loved it. I love that Corey Graves, you know, for all the crap that we gave about the commentary, was able to say that, you know, if you think about it, with Cesaro and Tyson Kidd first going against the New Day, and later, obviously, the Bar, which is arguably their biggest adversaries of all time, and then later, obviously, with Shinsuke Nakamura, Cesaro's been one of their biggest nemesises, and that's very true. I, I think that Cesaro is, <laughs> being the quiet guy usually in the group, he's kind of the guy that has been a part of all these other tag teams that have always gone and fought against New Day. And I appreciated the, him bringing up some some history uh, in the match, and I thought it was great, man. It was – Xavier looked great. You know what I'm saying? Um, Kofi looked great. Uh, the match was presented great. And, uh, you know, I know Sheamus specifically because I've heard him, but also – I would assume Shinsuke. By the way, I agree with you, man. Shinsuke looked awesome in this match. He was aggressive. I even liked him in the pre-interview when he was like, you know, he ended. I don't remember what he said, but like, like he's like, we're gonna ruin them or something like that. It was very aggressive and a better approach to Shinsuke. I don't expect Shinsuke and Cesaro to last long on Raw. I'm hoping that this is a way to branch off, branch off both of them and put them in something else. But either way. A good last match. I like the flashbacks to the bar. Uh, Sheamus loves all three of those guys. You know, he's been working with them for a very long time. The bar itself always reminded me of APA with having the, the brawler, the more aggressive guy, and then also the wrestler, you know, between Ron Simmons and uh, John uh, Layfield. And uh, I thought this was great, man. I really did. I, I thought it was a good outing for them. I loved it. Xavier made me cry at the beginning. He made me cry at the end when he started crying. And I loved it when Big E grabbed both of them and they, they went to the uh, speakers, uh, you know, around the ring. And we got to say, hear him say, like, I love you. I, You guys will always be my brothers. It doesn't matter. You know, New Day will be there. I will just say, don't stop the New Day concept. We can have... Biggie, which has been promoted by Corey and a lot of other people and just said by a lot of fans, go in a more serious direction, but allow them to be Biggie's New Day on SmackDown and Kofi and Xavier are the New Day on Raw. If they change it and change the look, it's going to be a little bit weird for me. Uh, this doesn't have to be the end. This has this this could literally be an expansion on the new day. But I have a feeling with this finalization, they're going to be changing stuff up, which I'm not a fan of. But that's how I felt. I love the match. It was a good out match for the new day. Yeah, just seeing the sheer emotion from Kofi and Xavier and Big E at the end there, you have to think they're like, no, this is the end of the new day. <laughs> Because of the way they sold it. And it was so great. Even the end of the match itself, the way they finished the match, you had Kofi have this huge comeback, and then you get Big E picking them up for the Midnight Express. um, Or Midnight Train, sorry. Or Midnight Hour. Midnight Hour? Am I right on that? I think I think Midnight Hour. Yeah. 
it's just such a great move. It's a good finisher. They get to win. And, uh, man, when they hug at the end, I didn't, like, I was, like, half watching it, and you were like, man, Xavier about got me fucked up. It's basically what you said. And I was like, what did he do to you? <laughs> and you were like, go back and watch it. And I rewound it, and I was like, man, it's, it is an emotional thing. So you know they're doing something very, very different. With one of them, at the very least, I'm assuming Big E, but yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy to think about New Day. I just always assumed they would be the Fabulous Freebirds for forever. Because why would you break them up? As we talked about on the last show, and it doesn't really make any sense. doesn't do anything for the company, but okay. It's something different, I guess. Ugh. So, we got a Daniel Bryan promo. Daniel Bryan, he's still a wrestler, turns out. <laughs> and uh, they showed Brie Bella. She was there. She was in the crowd. Uh, Bryan showed up in the Thunderdome, throwing his fingers up. With Birdie! Yeah, he, he doesn't give a shit. He admits that he loved his time at home and waved at Brie and his daughter, which he should love his time at home. That seems kind of messed up for people that didn't have that option, but okay. <laughs> Brian talked to the street. Well, prophet. his wife just gave birth to a baby, so it's a little bit understandable. Oh, yeah, but also COVID. Maybe not the best time. All right. Uh, <laughs> anyways, Brian talked about the street prophet's debut in the main event, and he praised the roster members. Bianca Belair, the Riot Squad, and he got excited for... Uh, he's excited to get in the ring with Kevin Owens, Aleister Black, and Apollo Crews, which I'm excited for, too. He should have all three of those matches. Probably won't happen. Uh, he made fun of Rollins. He said Rollins' vision of self-centered... Uh, Rollins' vision of wrestling in general is self-centered and kind of dumb. Uh, Brian repeated that Rollins is uh, an idiot, basically... And he likes wearing a sports coat without a shirt, which is true. He does like doing that. He is the Majima <laughs> of wrestling. Uh, Rollins attacked Brian and hit him with a microphone. Brian made a comeback and attempted the yes kicks. Rollins just rolled out of the ring, typical Hill style. But then Ray and Dominic Mysterio stopped him. Rollins had to get back in the ring, and Brian left him alone with the Mysterio family. Ram Dominic cornered Rollins. This is very heel, by the way, so I wasn't a huge fan. And then Murphy's <laughs> music hit, and he ran down, and he stood next to Rollins, and then suddenly Murphy also attacked Rollins. So Rollins is fighting six dudes out here. <laughs> like... All right, Dane, save me, because am I wrong on this? Is is Seth Rollins not fighting, like, four or five dudes in this, and he's the heel? So what I'm assuming they did, this is assumptions for WWE's booking, so like I always say, keep that in mind, is they were showing you that the Rey Mysterio Dominic stuff is pretty much in the past, Sort of, I guess, or we still have to get to the end of it, but it's more about him and Buddy Murphy now that will be proceeding. And then after that, we're going to get an awesome feud, hopefully, I would say, with Seth Rollins and Daniel Bryan, which that's what they did. They're kind of just showing hints of it. That's fine. 
But I will say that I love Daniel Bryan coming out. I loved him. You know, I, I, I like the old school Daniel Bryan. I don't I didn't like that heel version. He did a good job with it, but I just thought it was weird. But I wish that when he didn't say Seth Rollins and Seth came out and, you know, he just presented himself as like a friend and stuff like that. I wish that that Daniel Bryan would have been like, you know, I've thought very similar to you. I've had a very, very good viewpoint on what you're saying. He kind of started going into it about like how he feels about the climate and blah, 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 blah. But Daniel Bryan had a very similar attitude a year, two years ago. You know what I'm saying? When he turned heel. So to present that and be like, but I was never a cult leader to call it out as a gross slur towards Seth Rollins and have him get mad about it. And that's what causes the dissension. They, Dude, he tried to punch Daniel Bryan. Daniel Bryan came back, did one of the dumbest moves ever. I'm sorry, guys. I love Daniel Bryan, but just like the fucking people's elbow, just like even, even Ric Flair doing the flops sometimes. I hate the yes kicks. I think it's so stupid. I'm glad that he evaded that because it's a easily evaded type of maneuver, but whatever. I digress. But I love how all of a sudden Seth thought Daniel Bryan, after they got in, you know, a confrontation, a physical confrontation, would just take his, you know, take his back and and be on his side. Like, that makes any goddamn sense. And uh, Daniel Bryan skipped out, allowed the Mysterios to get involved. All of a sudden, we have Buddy Murphy come out, and he attacks Seth. So that's the next transition, I believe, is still related to Mysterios, but now through Buddy Murphy, we're going to have Buddy Murphy against Seth. Once, Once that's over, Seth is going to go against Daniel Bryan, which is a feud that I could not find a match for. might have happened on WWE because I searched more for Ring of Honor with Tyler Black and uh, Daniel Bryanson. So it might have actually happened before. But if we have a feud between the two of those guys, great. Daniel Bryan needs to bring up his past, though. Not too long ago, he had very similar looks on stuff as Seth. So I'd like to see that presented uh, with the the quote-unquote real Daniel Bryan um, or at least Seth maybe calling him out for that. So if we're talking about matches with Buddy Murphy and him to build up Buddy Murphy, even if he loses, it's still going to be building him up because of Seth Rollins and Seth Rollins against Daniel Bryan. I am completely fucking down for that. I, I definitely am actually. Yeah, I'm very excited about those two guys feuding together. This was just a weird cluster fuck to get there. Um, a huge cluster. It's like a bunch of shit thrown together. Like, I don't understand why the Mysterios are on SmackDown. They're going to be a tag team. The uh, Murphy showing up just plays into that family angle they have with the daughter. Is it is it the daughter or the sister? I can't remember. It's the daughter, right? Sister of Dominic, daughter of Ray. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So... It, they just played into that a little bit too hard. And it's, you know, if you just want something good, you can just have uh, Daniel Bryan versus Seth Rollins. It's all you really need. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, 
you know, that match kind of books itself. It's like John Cena versus AJ Styles. You're like, all right, well, I don't even care what the storyline is. Let's just watch that. That's good. You're, if you're talking about like almost similar in aspects uh, of Bret Hart versus Shawn Michaels, there's a lot of similarities in the styles of Daniel Bryan with Bret and Shawn with Seth Rollins. So I, I am fucking really down with Bryan Danielson versus Tyler Black basically yeah Mark. you don't ever hear i mean you really don't hear anyone talking about like you remember that Shawn michaels match and then they just go into the build-up to the match with him and bret hart they just go straight into the match they're like that match was amazing it was an iron man match they went 63 minutes it was crazy it's uh sometimes it doesn't matter as much they overbooked themselves here i would think and uh as always i, I think it was fine um, I'm very excited for the outcome maybe being, uh, I, I, I don't know. Do you get crazy Seth Rollins? Do you get Brian Pillman Seth Rollins? He's going to show up at people's houses and pull out guns and stuff. What I'm hoping actually is that Seth Rollins, you saw him at the beginning. He was completely praising and clapping for Triple H and Stephanie. I would love him to approach. I know he's calling himself the SmackDown savior. Go back, and I've said this a million times. I'm sure you're even sick of me saying this. Go back to the architect. Get that version of yourself back out as a heel. And with Daniel Bryan, I I don't know. I I'm uh I'm intrigued by this. But to have Seth go back, not not this fucking stoic style. Like I want him to be a fucking dick, and he's really good at it. He really is. He's good at being that fucking asshole heel if you allow him, allow him to be. Like, ag- aggressive, abrasive, not stoic whatsoever. I'm just uh, I'm curious uh, if, if Daniel Bryan might take Murphy under his wing. And that might be the uh, position that changes it from Buddy Murphy to Daniel Bryan. I, I could see them doing multiple things with that, but it seems like the Buddy Murphy thing is just spun directly in the Mysterios. And uh, Yeah, how do you get them not involved in the storyline? Because that's yeah. going to be your hardest fucking thing. I yeah. want to see them as tag champions. All right, well, I, I'm assuming, I'm assuming the Usos will be tag champions very soon. <laughs> They're about uh, to have some good tattoos on SmackDown. They really are. But, uh, yeah, all joking aside, uh, Rey Mysterio and Dominic having the tag titles, there's worse things that could happen. The Buddy Murphy thing being tossed in there, I thought this was the perfect time to break them up, uh, him and Seth, and they didn't go that route. So, man, I don't know. Daniel Bryan, he's pretty good. He's a great fucking wrestler. Him and Seth Rollins should have really good matches. The Buddy Murphy thing is a wrench in that entire plan. It really, really is. And there's no way to get around it. I I don't see how you get around it, honestly. I don't either. But, hey, we'll move on. We have the Street Profits versus Dolph Ziggler and Robert Roode. Uh, they showed Ric Flair. Ric Flair is just in the crowd. Did you see this? Yep. yep. 
Okay. All right. So Ric Flair's there. Um, we got a very standard tag match between the Street Profits and Dolph Ziggler. Um, I will say that Montez Ford looked like a bazillion bucks here. He had a huge flying cross body block on both the heels, and that was kind of the end of the match. How does he did, do that, dude? I don't know. We didn't actually get a finish to this match. I don't know that I had an, a, a, it's a double disqualification, but yeah. Jesus Christ, Montez Ford with that crossbody was amazing. And, uh, you know, it's it's Bobby Roode and Dolph Ziggler, so they sold their ass off. It, it, that was pretty great. So good match overall. I mean, there wasn't much to talk about in the middle. Is there something specific you, you want to talk about in this match? Well, I just want to give uh, credit towards Montez Ford for being so goddamn agile, but also being such a great personality in the ring. Angelo Dawkins is great, too, but it sucks that he's always cited as Mike Gennetti, but, like, let's be real. Montez Ford is money, and not only does he or do, uh, you know, people like Dolph Ziggler, who puts a lot into how good he is himself, Dolph Ziggler knows that. Ric Flair knows that. Ric Flair has put over so many people in the past, but Jay Lethal's one of them. You know, uh, uh, Dolph Ziggler's one of them. Bobby Roode's one of them. AJ Styles one of them. Randy Orton is definitely one of them. But he also loves Montez Ford, and he's gotten to interact with both of them, and I've heard him talk very highly of them. And uh, Montez, he just has something extra, man. He's got... He's got the personality. He's got. He's fucking six three, I think. He's a tall dude, but the 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 the. the <laughs> I don't know, man. It's it's incredible. And then him coming doing the Ultimate Warrior like thing, you know. He's he's someone that's going to be eventually someone to reckon with. And I'm not trying to say anything bad about Angelo Dawkins by saying that. That's what always happens. Unfortunately, Angelo Dawkins is awesome. Montez Ford is uh, just like his wife, Bianca Belair, man. They're going to be someone that's going to be very on top, I think, in the next year. Love seeing Flair there, man. He loves a lot of these guys. He thinks that they're excellent workers. But I hate the stupid, dumb DQ ending. That's the biggest thing. It's a WWE thing. That means that they're extending the feud, if you didn't know that. This is going to go on longer, basically. And uh, Bobby Roode. I wish he was in NXT, but what are you what are you gonna do? <laughs> yeah, I mean it was a decent two three minute match until the DQ finished, like you said. And uh, Montez Ford is the shining star. That sucks <laughs> for Dawkins. Um, man, like, like, you don't I mean, even remember the cool shit Dawkins does unless you watch it the second time and you're like, wow, he's really good for his size. And, but Montez Ford just makes <laughs> – he just he, – he, t- he steals the show, man, every time he's on. Yeah, and they continuously do this with their tag teams too. I mean you could point back to uh, – not well, the Viking the Raiders. The Viking Raiders, the Rockers, or um, more recently, trying to think of uh, – God, why can I not think of that tag team's name? It's going to blow my mind. Uh, heavy Machinery. They just have a way of 
making one guy way more over <laughs> than the other guy for no reason. I don't know how they didn't mess it up with the Usos in the New Day. It's it's it's, it's actually very surprising. So, uh, so next you're up saying is, that eventually Angela Dawkins is going to be on a uh, tag team with um, what the hell is Otis's tag partner? Oh my God, this is how bad it's gotten. Yes, we're we're bad at this. <laughs> uh, he's so good too, man. He's fucking phenomenal for his size. Tuck- it's Tucky. Tucky. Yeah, there you go. Tucker. <laughs> yeah, I. It's it's just so weird. Uh, next up, we have the Sasha Banks slash Bailey contract signing. Adam Pierce he shows up. He's hosting Our the contract. Representative for some reason. He is the guy, I guess. Uh, they should just say that he is the guy instead of just making us assume. <laughs> uh, yeah, they both have their interests. They both like came out in full force or whatever. Um, he gave the contract to Sasha Banks first. Banks signed it and noted she's been waiting for a long time for this. Basically... Three years, just like all of the WWE fans has been watching Sasha versus Bailey. Um, Bailey, when she got left behind in NXT, Banks helped Bailey hold on to the title for over a year, which a, a year is a little bit longer. But Bailey tried to end her career. Banks will get her revenge at Hell in a Cell because her name is bigger than Bailey's championship. Banks promised to leave Hell in a Cell with the title. Banks got in Bailey's face. Bailey left the ring without signing the contract. Banks called her a coward, but Bailey just walked out. How did you feel about this segment? We get some celebrities, but I'm not really going to call them celebrities because they're mostly football players like George Kittle, and uh, they, they're promoting football. But what did you think about the segment with uh, Bailey? I thought Bailey was pretty good here, and, and Sasha delivered fairly well. So um, I will actually say I like the sports feel by Fox being able to get people like Terry Bradshaw and a lot of other people to evaluate certain things like this, like they did with this contract signing. Um, it's kind of cool. It, it, it does bring a sports aspect. You kind of as a wrestling fan will be like, there's certain guys in here that are just getting fed words. Certain people probably don't like wrestling as much, but it still gives you that type of sports feel. But I thought this was really good, man. I thought that Sasha was good with her promo against Bailey. I loved it when Bailey said that, you know, the whole reign had nothing to do with Sasha and she did it all on her own. Sasha was like, uh, yeah, about that. Uh, bullshit. Call it out. The only problem with this is they started this off last week in an actual match that didn't do anything instead of just waiting like they could have building this up a little bit more and making it a big event on Survivor Series, at least. That's the next big fucking event, you know, but they decided to... I mean, who knows? Maybe we'll build to Survivor Series, but I'm just saying they kind of just sped on, and now we're getting this. Uh, Bailey has not signed it, so there you go. There's the added wrinkle. What's going to happen? Is Bailey going to sign it? I thought both ladies were great. I think Bailey has been on point for a very long time. 
we need to start giving her credit as a heel. Really do, if we're not, because she's been doing a great job of it, especially someone that was supposed to just be a baby face. And uh, Sasha's awesome too, man. Um, I'm looking forward to this match. Her conviction was was real, I feel, with her and Bailey. Uh, some of the stuff breaking up about, you know, uh, helping her get back. Or when she didn't, when she did not make the cut, 2016, and you know, you had Sasha already on the product. How she helped her out and and tried to get her to be put on there. That's all true, which is awesome that they're able to go into that. But Sasha's biggest problem has been conviction with her promos. And even though a lot of it's true, she still had a little bit of struggle making it and expressing it as true. So, I don't know. Um, Looking forward to this match whenever it happens, but it sucks. Like I said to you last time, man, beforehand I was like, well, you just get to the fucking feud. And now I'm like, just don't rush. Just chill. Relax. (laughs) And I don't know. You're way more patient than me because I'm like, get to the fucking feud. I don't care anymore. Like, I've not cared about this for a long period of time. I would love to see Sasha and Bailey have a singles match that'll be pretty good because they're going to have a good match. Um, I mean, just knowing everything that we know, they lost tag team championships. You know, Sasha took her ball, went home for four months. She came back and was basically Bailey's counterpart. And now she's challenging for the title without actually beating you, anyone. <laughs> like, do you I, think that they should have gone the opposite with Sasha turning on Bailey and forcing Bailey back into a baby face, which she's more natural with, even though she's done a great job and having Sasha be the heel, just like before their fucking amazing takeover match. I don't know. Oh, uh, just mean me. like. Do you mean like two years ago when they should have actually pulled the trigger on this? Yeah. All right. Uh, no, you're right. I. But see, Bailey, like, I I don't know because both of them are not the quintessential babyface. Bailey's doing great as a heel. I will say that. I just feel like Sasha is really good as a heel. The best work I think. Well, no. Actually, I shouldn't say that. Yeah, Best work was with Charlotte on Raw, and she was a babyface. But she is a really great heel. And I think, honestly, even though she's done good as a babyface, Bailey is a better babyface. And they had a chance to turn them. They didn't do it. Well, I mean, they ruined Bailey over and over and over and over again. So she had to turn yeah. heel. Right? Which, good on them for actually turning her heel. And we're going to talk about another guy. <laughs> they got turned heel. Here in the main event, our main event, Universal Champion, Roman Reigns, with Paul Heyman uh, versus Braun Strowman. Reigns and Strowman had a good match. Both worked hard. Post-match angle involving Jey Uso was also well done, in my opinion, and also the opinion of this writer. Um, I'm going to say they did. Uh, they, they had a big ring introduction showed Mark Henry, they showed Robert Stone, which was a little bit weird. Maybe he's going to be a manager on the main product. Goldberg was also on the screen. That was Goldberg, by the way. That was his big 
being there. It was just part of the VM. Um, but yeah, basically, Roman Reigns whipped the shit out of Strowman, threw him into a corner, continued to dominate. Strowman made a, a, a big comeback there for a second. Reigns hit a big boot for a near fall, Undertaker style, pump kick, as some might say. Uh, Reigns sent Strowman back to the floor and slammed him on the announce ta- table. Strowman uh, fall back for a little bit over the announce table. Strowman hit a running shoulder tackle, which is one of the first he's ever hit because normally he hits a fucking ring post. Uh, which sent Reigns over the barricade. And then back from the break, they did a close-up of Goldberg watching the match. They really did focus on Goldberg pretty hard. Uh, Reigns was in control coming back in. Strowman made another comeback. Had a couple near falls. And then basically the finish came when uh, Roman Reigns attempted a second spear, but Strowman countered with a power slam. Reigns slipped out and locked him into a guillotine submission for the win. So we had a submission win on Braun Strowman after hitting his move on Roman Reigns, which basically means Roman Reigns is now invincible and a heel. Uh, so the aftermath of this match was way better than the match. I thought the match was very, very good. But uh, what are your thoughts on the match? And then we'll get into the aftermath. I love the match because it helped, um, you know, take a rivalry that actually put both of them over not too long ago between Braun and Roman. And bring it center face towards this season premiere, quote unquote. Um, Braun's going. He's leaving. We knew that he wasn't taking the fucking title from uh, Roman. But he put up a good fight against this new version of Roman. Which shows that Braun's still someone to be fucked with. Or not to be fucked with, I should say. And uh, Roman, towards the end, you know, spearing him and being like, are you kidding me? Like... But Braun had that same aspect when he did one of his uh, finishers followed by a choke slam earlier. You know, it's 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 he still looks good going forward, even though he loses to Roman Reigns. But it's Roman fucking Reigns, and this version of Roman Reigns, he still made him look like a hundred, like a million bucks. Um, I liked him. You know, well, we'll we'll get into that aspect. Uh, but I I I, uh, I really did uh, you know I, I liked Roman finally getting the win over Braun and uh, even though he got the uh, he almost got the power slam on him it didn't take that and the gold team choke use that because Braun almost got that off and I loved how they fucking played with that it was really good he slammed him against the corner nope Roman's not fucking getting that thing off. And he choked his ass out, which makes, again, if you're going to lose, I know it sounds stupid, but a lot of people don't realize, if you don't tap out and you fucking go under, you know, that that's better than anything else. So I thought that, uh, I thought this was really good. And you'll talk about what precedes it. Yeah, I thought it was an absolutely incredible match. Uh, great main event, and uh, I can only hope in the future that Roman Reigns starts doing using the Coquina Clutch to entice uh, Samoa Joe to get involved in this a little bit. But uh, he's not his fucking. What, what did he say? He's he's not his. 
What the hell is Roman Reigns calling himself? This the big chief. He's not my chief. He's not yeah, my he's, chief. Yeah. So I think there's some things there they can do there in the future. I thought this was a very good match, and uh, it all led to the end, which was uh, Roman Reigns. He he went for the spear. Strowman countered with that power slam, and he slipped out and got him in the guillotine submission, choked him out. Very Undertaker-like, by the way, for you Undertaker fans out there. Yep. It, Roman Reigns is now the Undertaker. Just heads up. He's heel Undertaker. <laughs> and Braun so, Strowman is definitely Big Show. He's yeah, definitely he's definitely Big Show. Yeah. So uh, you got Jay Uso walking slowly to the ring. Reigns grabs a chair. Uso stood at ringside, and Reigns then viciously beat down Strowman with the chair. I mean, he was laying it in. Holy shit. Sorry, Strowman. That feels bad. Um, but then he looks at Uso and he says, I don't want to do that to him, but I will. And he says, I'll give you a second chance. Referees tried to stop him. Reigns kept beating the shit out of Strowman. Uso got in the ring. Reigns looks at Uso again, Jay, he says, I love, I love you. I'm just trying to help him. And by help him, he means Jay. And then Reigns continues to drop the chair. And he hits, he, I think he has Braun one more time. And he drops the chair at Uso's feet and turns around and makes the standing still in the Jesus Christ pose. Right? Yep. Uso, Jay Uso picks up the chair. And he looks at him. He stares at his back, and he's like, "I could just nail him." He's he's open it, and then you hear him slam it down. And then Rain smiles because he thinks they're gonna be friends. And then Uzo snaps, hits him with a clothesline, throws him against ropes, super kick, hits him with a chair, and oh my God, Jay Uso right here, the emotions that Jay Uso showed. He's like. Uh, what, do you, what do you say? I love you too. And he just starts slamming that chair. It's so great. It's such good wrestling. And then he gets pulled back by the referees and shitbag Roman Reigns jumps in the air and Superman punches him while he's held back by everyone else. Terrible finish, but goddamn great wrestling. How did you feel about this day? Uh, same, same way that you did, man. I thought it was ridiculous. That after all this shit, after Roman fucking hits Braun Strowman however many times with a goddamn chair, all of a sudden Pierce and everyone else that broke up that fucking fight takes Jay and, and uh, you know, kind of restrains him in order for that. I thought that was ridiculous. Other than that, though, which was a very minor part, honestly, to, to get the message at least. Um, that was fucking awesome, man. I love Roman. I love when they they went down to the like a like with the Big E stuff, you know, went down to the microphones at the ring, and Roman is like talking to Jay, you know, and, and saying everything that you said. But you also hear Braun Strowman selling the spear and heaving, <gasps> you know, in and out, which was great by Braun, honestly. And then Roman took the goddamn chair and started just destroying him. And Jay, you had another like Buddy Murphy, Seth Rollins moment where you're like, is he gonna fucking? Oh, he did. Okay, never mind. And he starts connecting. He starts just beating the hell out of him. And for a split second, you think that something's gonna be good about it, and then obviously the breakup with all the officials and stuff like that. And I thought this was great, man. 
if I told you, Chris, <laughs> not not to say anything, you know, I, I hate to, uh, you know, downgrade Jay, but a lot of this has to do with with injury because if I told you, you know, a year ago that Roman Reigns would have an amazing, emotional, impactful feud as a heel against Anuso. If I asked you which one it was going to be, I'm assuming a lot of people would pick, you know, Jimmy. Because Jimmy has a lot of charisma. He's been presented a little bit more. He's married to Naomi. He has all those aspects. And I love that Jay's able to show, hey, fuck off. I can fucking do some shit, too. And that no matter where Roman goes after this, and obviously he's going to beat Jey Uso. Jay's put himself on a different pedestal than he was. And even though he's part of one of the greatest tag teams of this generation, he's brought some, uh, you know, I feel uh, leverage uh, to his overall, you know, view with wrestling fans. Yeah, I can't disagree with you at all on that. I, I think that people tend to go to Jimmy. Jimmy's the one that hits huge splash, right? But the tequila sunrise is Jay. He's always kind of been there in the back of our memories. It's great to see him show up and have so much emotion leading into the Hell in a Cell match. It's going to be him and Roman, right? That's where they're going with this, I guess. Uh, yep. Man. Holy shit. Did he... I, it kind of sucks for Jimmy because he could break off on his own. He's got the mullet going. Eddie Guerrero mullet going shows up and I, I don't know. He told that that whole match and what they were building towards totally delivered for me, at least as a wrestling fan. I was like, holy shit, fuck you, Roman Reigns. You're an asshole. <laughs> and I was like, go Jay. And that's what you want. That's that. That's the feeling that you should need. Right. Yeah, I can. I I couldn't figure out how to unmute myself. Sorry about that. <laughs> pressing, the bu- pressing the button a million times. Yeah, I completely agree with you, man. Uh, I mean, if you want if you want to see great wrestling encapsulated in a bottle, watch the Cody Rhodes promo from last week after the dog collar match, and then watch Jay Uso just fucking pick up that chair with all the anger in his heart. And say, I love you too, and slam it down. It's so good. I mean, it is so fucking good. I put the best wrestling. It's, it's so good. When wrestling is good, it's really good, Dane, turns out. <laughs> I will say, like, you know, when it comes to wrestling itself, I know this is a very, like, <laughs> I don't know, counterproductive concept. But when you separate wrestling fans from non-wrestling fans that just don't understand it because obviously it's it's scripted, <laughs> one of the, the, the best things about wrestling is when they can get into a match who know, obviously, that you know it's worked out. But when they can make you believe that's the best parts <laughs> in this match, or more so the aftermath, I should say, their match before on the pay-per-view, able to do that and that's the best 
that's one of the best things about wrestling, honestly, is is making me believe that what I'm watching is real. It's that it's also a little bit with Jay, the David versus Goliath. He's always the little cousin that was picked on by his big his big cousin, Roman, who's the football star, who's the, the shining star of the WWE. And he's like, I love you, too. And he just has to hit him with that chair. It's so great. It's so good. It's very, uh, man, I, it's very NWA, early WCCW, WCW, like that mid-80s, early 90s feel to how much emotion went into that is so fucking phenomenal. I, I, I gushed over this so much last night. I, I blew up your Facebook on this one. I was like, holy shit, this is amazing. This made SmackDown. It made SmackDown the best show of the week. Roman is Me so too. great. He is so great as a shitbag heel. And I never thought I would say it, but Jey Uso is a great counterpart to that. It's it's just phenomenal what they're doing. It's it's just great. I I don't have no I have no words for it. It's just so fucking good, Dane. <laughs> it's really good, man. Perfect. All right. Well, let's move on to uh, let's, we'll we'll switch worlds. We'll go to AEW Dynamite, the anniversary show, live results. Yeah, four title matches on the show, Dane. Are you excited? Excited to talk about this. Yeah, because all of them were predictable. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, they were all pretty not okay. Yeah, they were okay. They were okay at best. Uh, right off the rip, we have AEW World Tag Team Champions, FTR versus the Best Friends. And uh, I thought this was a pretty good match. Uh, right off the bat, Trent and Chuck, they uh, they got heavy offense early on. And then FTR immediately took over. They went for a uh, a big splash. Trent got his knees up. And then Cash hit an elbow drop. And uh, somehow got the hot tag to, to Chucky. <laughs> it's so weird to say Chuck or Chucky because Chucky. That's all I can think about. <laughs> um, totally interfered. Which we would expect from Tully Blanchard. Uh, he swept Chuck's leg, broke up the hot tag. Chuck and Trent uh, hit their hit a big combo move on the floor there, and uh, Trent hit a one-legged drop kick to Cash for another two count. Broke up. The match went all to shit from here, and they were just banging all over the place basically. And then. Uh, Trent the Strong Zero, which was his finisher in New Japan, for you guys that didn't know. Um, and then we get a near fall, and Cash makes a save. Trent and Cash brawled outside. Cash dodged a spear, and Trent ran into Kip Sabian's arcade game, which, by the way, Dane, we're going to have to have a separate conversation about this, but I'm completely done with this. Uh, Sabian was mad, so Penelope Ford... <laughs> to the back to fetch Miro. It didn't mean anything towards the finish at all. Trent tried to hit a swinging DDT. Chuck ducked. And uh, he got a belt shot from Dax. 
And that was the finish. So the heels were doing heel shit, basically. We had a really good tag team match with a bunch of really good wrestlers. And for no reason, Miro was involved in this. And so is uh, Sabian, which is the least desirable person in that entire faction. Yeah. You know what? Uh, first thing, uh, if Rick Knox is not in the pocket of FTR with Tully, uh, he's a terrible referee. And I've thought this before <laughs> yeah. then. Beforehand, um, that whole entire ending sequence with <laughs> obviously Cash coming in with a fucking uh, chair, and I don't think he was supposed to be looking. He looked right the fuck at it. Obviously, person maneuvered. I don't remember exactly who it was, if it was Chuck or if it was uh, Trent, but they got out of the way. That per- you know, all of a sudden Cash goes over the ropes and then hits him again later on with uh, Rick Knox, you know, ducking. The chair shot that obviously hit someone, I don't know. That kind of bothered me. But other than that, this match was going on at the same time as NXT with, you know, it might have been Lorcan and Birch, who usually are jobbers, but they're still able to put on a great match. But it was Undisputed with Bobby Fish and uh, Roderick Strong. And you can tell, to me at least, that certain people are a little bit different than others. And I hate to say anything bad. <laughs> like by, I, by that, by that, do you just mean Roddy Strong is the most underrated wrestler in all of wrestling? Because <laughs> goddamn, he's so good. He's a modern day Dean Malenko, man. I will say that. Like he's fucking incredible, and he's more aggressive. Um, no, what I, what, well, yes and no. What I'm trying to say is, like in a roundabout way, Chuck Taylor was fucking winded in this goddamn match. So much. He looked blown the fuck up towards the end of it. And I, like I said, I've, I've tried to be praiseful over the best friends as of lately. I, I thought they actually had a great match for uh, the most part with FTR, but I think a lot of that went on uh, Tremperetta. I really do. And that's because, like I said, Chucky got in there later on and it just looked like he was fucking exhausted. And watching this back to back with the other tag match. Might not be fair, but that's how I watch Wednesday night. So I'm watching, you know, two other guys have a very traditional tag match. And then this other one that's doing a good job of it. But, you know, I I guess the Winnie's T-shirts should not sell anymore unless they fucking do because they lost. So that's all. That's it. Um, I'm going to I'm going to pick apart the fucking decision for how you got a tag team. Um, number one contender, but we'll, we'll, we'll get to that. It'll happen later. Well, I mean, I, if you're doing a straight to straight comparison, they had an incredible FDR had an incredible match with SEU with Kazarian, right? And it is night and day. I think Absolutely. you're 100% right. I, I think you're 100% right. Trimberetta. Uh, may not have been a WWE guy. He was great in New Japan. I think he carries that tag team. Chucky e. T is good off the hot tag. This match was not in his favor for whatever reason. And uh, you could point to FTR and be like, and you guess fat some stinkers lately. Because <laughs> uh, what last week we had uh, oh man, Angelica. oh I, I don't. I... 
there's no way I blame them for uh, whatever the hell their name is. Uh, God <laughs> Evan, damn it, I can't. And Angelica? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so I you don't blame it at all. They had two stinkers in a row. No, I I, I blame them on the participation of the other people actually, because they made them look good though. Yeah, well, we will see on this <laughs> with the FTR because I was even coming out when they got put on the main roster. You can remember my I was like, eh, <laughs> go back two years, listen to this podcast. I was like. Eh. <laughs> yeah, but I've always thought you were crazy for that anyway, so. Uh, yeah, well, you know. We'll see. <laughs> we will see. Yeah, give, instead of giving them someone like LAX, give them another shitty-ass tag team that should not even be on the fucking product and see what happens. <laughs> you're, you're 100% right, but if you give fucking SCU a shitty tag team, they're going to have a good match. So... <laughs> It's an actual another good tag team mat or tag team that they have that they don't even utilize that actually put on a great match with them. So that's just proving that FTR is good, not that the other tag teams aren't crap and should be on dark. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, we're gonna have hard disagreement on this one, so we're just gonna move not along. A Moving along <laughs> to the next one. All right, our next match, uh, we had Miro and Kip Sabian versus two jobbers, Lee Johnson and Sean Maluta. Uh, Miro just immediately whipped the shit out of them and got the pin. And then he called the best friends good friends, <laughs> which was pretty funny. But that was pretty much that entire match. Anything to say about Miro and this match? I hate how Miro has been booked. I don't like him being the video game dork. I don't give a fuck if he has a Twitch stream. Um, the arcade getting destroyed during the match that, you know, got Miro to come out and destroy the best friends and then be all angry in this match was fucking stupid. I'm sorry. But I liked, I will say the positive note, I liked the intensity of Miro himself. But other than that, I mean, I don't know. I really, uh, I don't, I don't care. Arcade games and fucking video games, Twitch, Kip Sabian, just a lot of stuff. Kip Sabian now gets to be the person that holds not only Penelope Ford back apparently, but now also Rusev in AEW. Yeah, Vince is somewhere right now counting his money and being like, I was completely right on this Rusev guy. <laughs> uh, man, what a bad gimmick. I'm on Twitch. Let's start with the basic concept of Twitch. Twitch is sitting at your computer with a camera pointed at you in which you talk to people that are listening to you and you play video games. They're playing a fucking arcade cabinet. There's no goddamn cameras. There's no fucking Twitch. They're not doing a Twitch stream. It's not a Twitch stream at the same time that this thing is happening. It's not like, you know, like if you did this in the 90s, let's say Twitch was around in the 90s, DX would show up and kick him in the fucking dick or something, right? Like, nerds, suck it, kind of thing. They'd be sitting in a room playing on their N64 or whatever. But 
it's just so weird. Like, I do. I'm supposed to care about Miro for this? I mean, the only thing that, like, Penelope Ford's great, and her theme music is so fucking good that they're wasting her by putting her with, like, who I would consider two low-class jobbers at this point, because that's what they've told me about Miro thus far. You're you're below Kip Sabian because you're his best man, and Kip Sabian's barely been on TV, bro. Like, am am I wrong on this day? Am I completely no? Crazy? And not not only are you not wrong, but I just want to let every you know. I love wrestling. Obviously, we cover all of it, even if we. Even if we don't like it, like we're going to get to Raw, which, I mean, it was a good show for different aspects, but normally not a great show. Me and Chris love wrestling. We usually, even if we don't agree with each other, like we just did with FDR earlier, you know, that, that that's separate. We're not biased. And if you look at every WWE person, any AEW fan can be like, oh, you know, if you go to AEW, you're going to be doing so much better. I think Rusev proves differently. I think Brody kind of proves differently, a little bit more. Jack Hager hasn't done a goddamn thing except for be a part of a faction. I mean, uh, Matt Cardona, uh, where has he been? Oh, okay, yeah, never mind. Even 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 well, going on to Mike Kyoto, for Christ's sakes, they have dumbasses like Rick Knox uh, doing fucking. T- uh, you know, it just goes on and on. Anyone FTR even example, sometimes I feel does some dumb stuff in matches that if they were on the main product, they would have done the same shit under a different person. So I don't think that that they're that they're they're graded for how they were displayed beforehand. But I don't think a lot of those guys are really elevated to a ridiculous amount because they're on AEW. Well, I mean, as soon as I signed Brian Cage, I was like, well, Rusev doesn't matter. And Brian what Cage has Brian Cage done, even though he's obviously not an ex-WWE person? But you know what I'm saying. But, I mean, he's the same size, same style as Rusev, and he's better. In my opinion, he is better. Am I wrong on this? No, I think they're a bit different, but, you know, I think Rusev for big guys pretty good for his size. But, yeah, Bruce or Bruce Cage. <laughs> Brian Cage is a fucking freak. He's – but we, we, we won't see that because he's the fuck the world champion, I guess. And I don't even fucking know. Um, my point is – my point is they brought in all these big guys at the same time and they brought in Miro and uh, they Lance Archer, it, which Lance Archer to me is probably the one that's the most successful out of all these big guys as far as like someone I want to watch wrestle. Um, well, I guess do you count Brody Lee though? Cause I think like Brody's like six foot seven. So Oh, he's a big guy, but, I mean, has he really been that successful, if you think about it, in the long run? I mean, TNT champion for when Cody needed to go out of town to do a fucking show. And I mean, I guess, I guess, I, I guess it, it only counts if you, like, well, if you care about how long the title run was and how good the quality of matches were. 
Because yeah. every big match they put Brody in, he's been fucking great. That dog collar match was a incredible with him and Kerry. It was. Um, I don't know that Miro's ever gonna be that guy. <laughs> like I never knew that. I never thought he was gonna be that guy when he was Rusev. To be honest, I mean John Cena carried his ass through a match in WrestleMania, and like people can get mad at me. Like I just don't think he's that good. I think he's got size. I think he had a very good presence on Twitter. I thought he had a good, you know, um, gimmick going in. Specifically, if, if if well, he lost Rusev Day, so they could have done way more than him. The, the the idea of, like, look, we both love video games. Dane, you love video games? I love video games. Yep. I don't, I don't want that shit in my wrestling. <laughs> it doesn't matter <laughs> at all. You're either going to whip someone's ass or you're not going to whip their ass. Uh so, not to be all Jim Cornette here, but, like, I don't give a single fuck about you guys playing NBA Jam <laughs> during an FTR match. See, that, that that's my, uh, my biggest problem. Not only that, but the arcade unit itself looked fake. Sorry. You got speared right through it. There was nothing in there. So, what the fuck was Chris Sabian really playing? I don't believe With his self, because he's never going to be on the main roster. <laughs> Shots fired. Um, all, uh, Damn! On, yeah, all shitting on Chris Sabian aside. Um, I mean, I think the end goal of this is definitely Miro still in his girl. That would be my guess. But it's taking way too long. And I honestly don't give a shit. Which is sad, because I actually do like Rusev. I, I don't think that he's as... Like, with the people that they had in, in WWE that are similar to him, like, Big E is way better than he is. Like, there's a lot of other wrestlers that are the same size that were way better than he was, and uh, he got really over on the Rusev gimmick, and I think Rusev as a character is fun. Uh, but To I, me... Like, in the ring, I don't know that he's better than some of the other cats they have. To me, everyone's different. I, I don't even know if it's Rusev's problem. I think it's his booking in general. Or if, like, if this was his idea, there should be someone in AEW saying, no, you being a fucking giant gamer is a stupid idea. But somehow either one happens. Yeah, it's a weird one. Hey, we get someone you do like and that I I like as well. MJF. He shows up. He does this promo. He calls out Chris Jericho. You're like, all right, here we go. He does a lengthy back and forth promo, and then he just gives Sammy a very oversized jacket to make him feel like a nerd. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, am I wrong on this? That was the that was the, and the <laughs> MJF said, what, "What?" He's like, "Sorry, so, Sammy, don't worry." <laughs> God damn it! I mean, he didn't get a jacket the week before. They give Sammy the oversized jacket. They're setting up Sammy versus. Uh, MJF, and I hope that they merge MJF into the inner circle. 
I really do. I like. I know you're not a huge fan of the the stuff they're doing with Matt Hardy and and Sammy continuing mm-hmm. the storyline, but if the storyline is like MJF is about to lose his shit because, or no, Sammy is about to lose his shit because of MJF and he's just burning houses down and like murdering Matt Hardy, that could be great. Oh Lord. Um, I, I, I love this. I, I really did. Um, I don't know. I, MJF is, is, is hilarious. I don't need to see him, though. I don't think in the inner circle. Uh, they're going to have a steak dinner next week, apparently, him and Chris Jericho. <laughs> I love how they made it look like that was going to be a match, but obviously not. But um, MJF and Chris Jericho just seem on like such a, a similar level. I, I don't know if they could really be cooperative in a group. If you do something where it's like a takeover angle, uh, maybe if you, if you fuck over Sammy, that, that could work, but I don't know. I, I kind of like this being split up. I hope actually this, this, if, if they have something worked out with MLW, MLW made a big deal about, uh, the dynasty kicking out their last member because he wasn't worthy enough. I would love to see, Richard and fucking uh, Alexander Hammerstone uh, show up on AEW in the dynasty become a thing again because I mean, ah, uh, it's they're they're so good and they're so good together as this like little douchey group and I I I I think that would be a lot of fun if they were to display it there, but. Alexander's their uh, openweight champion. I don't know if that would really work out with MLW, but they've done stuff with them before. But I'd rather – if MJF's not going to go back to his original faction that he created, um, you know, I would actually probably just keep him by himself, and this is a long way of doing it. But the aspect of maybe getting Jake Hager and fucking Warlow in a dominant tag team together – Sounds cool. It just looks like they're at odds and they're about to like fight each other. So we'll have to find out what happens after the steak dinner, I guess. Would you laugh really hard if they came out and was like, the skyscrapers? <laughs> it's just Wardlow and <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> Jake Hager. Uh I I'll say this about um Mr. MJF. I know everyone's super high on his promos. I think he is better when he has a direction and uh, he is better at the vignette promo than the get in the ring promo. You know what I mean? Does that sound crazy? Like, yeah, him getting in ring in the ring and then like trying to cut it live, like the rock or stone cold would do, which I'm assuming is what I'm sure he has things that he's going to, you know, lay out. Or whatever, but uh, he's not uh, Mr. Anderson. <laughs> he's not The Rock. He's not uh, is it Eli Drake from TNA. Yep. Yeah, he. I don't know. He's a, he's a better scripted promo to me. And I know people are gonna hate this. They're gonna get at me on Twitter so hard, Dane. But 
man, remember him laying in the ring? And then remember the clown promo that he had, like, Jericho's week and then this week? I just, I know he's a good promo. I know he can do better. Maybe not put him out in the ring <laughs> while doing a promo. I I don't know how to explain it. Am I am, am I crazy on this? I think stuff on the spot he's not that strong with. Um, you know, the person I I really always compare MJF to. People always like go to like Piper, which is one of his biggest influences, and Flair and stuff like that. He reminds me of Tully Blanchard. Now, obviously, I've seen Tully, and I'm not going to say MJF can't pull off a good promo in the ring, but I do understand what you're saying. When he's thinking about it, and he's able to really, really, you know, accumulate what he's going to say, is better than when he's kind of like on the spot. And a lot of that stuff is kind of stuff that maybe him and Chris Jericho worked on a little bit, but they try not to have that aspect. They don't want scripted promos. And... Even the stuff that I could tell was, like, stuff that they worked on, like, you know, them going back and forth towards the end. Like, do you want me to join this? Do you want me to join this? Do you want me to join It just got stupid after a while. Kind of dumb. That's why I think that, honestly, you could use a little bit of help from Richard Holiday and, and Alexander Hammerstone, man. Dynasty. They always, like, kind of, like, he needs some some people to to feed off of, you know, and... Holiday was a very much a modern Gino Hernandez and Alexander Hammerstone. I really think that once he gets a little bit bigger than MLW, will become the next Kurt Henning. You know, all three of them were great on the mic. All of them could like really make a scene. He's got Wardlow. Wardlow doesn't talk. That's his whole thing. He's like Virgil, but he actually looks. He's like he's like Goldberg meets fucking Virgil, if you will. Um, he, but he's like he's like. He's like Virgil, but he can catch someone jumping off the top of a cage. Yeah, yeah, I don't <laughs> think Virgil could do that. Vincent, whatever you fucking call him. But I just think MJF, God, he was so good with Dynasty together, and I think they could help him out so much as, you know, himself, basically. And I really do think that some of the improv stuff and even some of the ring stuff, I think that the, the, smaller, the smaller group of fans is actually kind of making him a little more uh, – Noticeable, actually, as opposed to the I, large group of fans for him to feed off of. Yeah, if you were talking about right now who's the best heel in the business, and you look at like what Paul and Roman Reigns are doing, and then I would say Reigns like and MJF, yeah, for like, MJF. Yeah, and see, that's the thing is like, but when MJF cuts one of those great promos, it's phenomenal, right? And he's like, such it's really dick. good. <laughs> Completely agree with you, man. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know. I mean, maybe he gets with Cody for like a whole weekend, and they do nothing but get drunk and write promos against each other, or something <laughs> like I. Whenever he gets in the ring with Chris Jericho, it's cancer to me. It's something about those two. They just don't click. It, maybe it's because they're too similar or something. You know, see, the no weird chemistry thing is, there. See, the weird thing is, and dude, I completely agree with you, but I saw people, including someone I respect within the industry, of reporting stuff. Raj Geary with Wrestling Inc. He's 
the proprietor, you know, owner of that company, he was like, these are the segments that make me, you know, that were the things that made me fall in love with wrestling. And to me, I was like, that was a really weak ass fucking uh, MJF, you know, Chris Jericho promo. I just didn't really work <laughs> for me. It yeah, that stupid. just makes that just makes me question his thoughts and opinions on wrestling in general. Exactly. And when you respect someone like that, you're like, wait, what? Like, ugh. I mean, like, I'm not going to just bash on other podcasters, but like, really, you thought that was good the past two weeks with MJF? You thought that was thought that was the best MJF you've ever seen? Because the presidential cam bait stuff was pretty good until he laid in the middle of the ring. And uh, I don't know. He's, he's just a better vignette guy. He's really good. Him going after Wardlow, the attack on Wardlow he had. When he fired everybody, so good. As soon as you put him in the middle of the ring, it's uh, especially against Jericho. It's just death because Jericho is just such a and and that may be part of it. Maybe Jericho is just larger than life at this point. Um, but god damn, it it's like. It's like watching a little kid go into a boxing match with Mike Tyson when they put him in there with Jericho. Because Jericho is always going to be turned up to 11. I agree. Yep. All that being said, I think MJF is great. He's got to hone the skill. You know? I, I mean, he's a, he, it's not that MJF is a bad pro. He's only like... 22 23 too though that's it what what the thing is like with with someone like mjf you gotta realize what he's been able to accomplish of getting himself like that respected in a very short amount of time being even involved in wrestling let alone alive (laughs) you know that's the thing that's i think the most impressive with him i i feel the same way a lot about austin theory and i think the worst part about mjf is like He's so good at promos that people forget how good he is in the ring. Like he is very classic as far as his in ring style. And I, th- I thought, uh, like his match with Dean Ambrose kind of proved that that was like a very, uh, well, John Moxley, I guess, whoever the fuck you want to call him, um, proved that like it was a very classic old school heel thumb to the eye kind of shit. Good stuff all around. But, uh, yeah, you got to be very careful who you put against Jericho. And uh, those in-the-ring promos with him and Jericho doing the cutesy thing, uh, I'm kind of done with. Like, actually, every time they do it, I just hope that Adam Page shows up and clotheslines everyone in the ring. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. <sighs> what are you going right, to do, well, let's... <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Let's move on. So uh, you're going to love this one because everyone in Georgia loves this one. Mr. Tony Schiavone. He wearing a robe, getting his nails done with Burt Baker, the role model. (laughs) She's like, Tony, close your robe. And he's like, oh, sorry. (laughs) Tony's getting his chest waxed. And then Britt. Baker cuts a promo about uh, the next step in her comeback happening next week. So uh, 
she cut a pretty decent promo, but let's be honest, this is more about Tony Schiavone's nuts hanging out and his chest getting waxed. <laughs> am, am I wrong on this day? <laughs> I fucking love this scene. I thought it was so fucking funny. I, I love that, you know, they're they're getting their faces done, all waxed and stuff like that, and, and Tony's, like, having a great time. He's got the microphone over to the right of him. You know, just holding there for Britt Baker. And then when Reva comes out and she, like, calls out the fact, like, Tony, are you wearing clothes? And he's like, oh, sorry. And, like, they both start freaking out. And then they go into the scene from, uh, whatchamacallit, 40-Year-Old Virgin with Steve Carell where they're waxing his chest. But, you know, they're, they're like, rubbing his chest. And, like, you know, kind of, I'm sure his wife was really happy with the scene, first of all. But, like, you know, just, like, trying to, like, get him into it. And then they fucking ripped the goddamn wax off his chest. It was absolutely hilarious. I love Tony Schiavone. He's a treasure. I will say, though, if this is JR doing it, I think people would have fucking flipped the fuck out in a very stupid reasoning. Um, but, you know, it's – I guess it's okay for, for girls in their 20s to be rubbing their hands on a guy about the age of JR. Uh, but if JR makes a comment, you know, blah, 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 I don't even want to get into it. I don't want the social justice warriors coming after me. Actually, if you want to come after me on Twitter, fucking go for it, bitches. Sorry. Um, but yeah, I love this. I thought it was just fucking <laughs> hilarious and cute and adorable, and I love Tony Schiavone. But like I said, if, if it was JR, it would have been a different fucking conversation for people. Well, I mean, if it was like Jim Cornette, it'd be a different conversation or Bobby the Brain. He is because Tony Schiavone has this innocence in him, right? He like like I've said, he's very much like a mean Gene Okerlin to some yeah. extent. So he slots that role very well with with uh, Jr. is as straight and narrow as he has been. Uh, he's very very old and wears a cowboy hat. That's gonna throw some people off. Like, Tony Schiavone does have this innocence. Do you think his wife was mad at him about this whole entire segment? Especially I, when, like, Reba's rubbing the wax on his chest and shit? I doubt it. She probably thought it was fucking hilarious when she, they ripped the wax off. Oh, God. <laughs> if I'm being I honest. Love their, I love Brit and fucking Tony's relationship. I really do. It's great. It's so great, and that is what makes her great, which... She's not a heel. She's not a heel at this point. She just isn't. I well, we'll 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 get to the match with the Kurashida, but I I feel like Britt Baker's gonna be taking that title very soon. I have to agree with you. Uh, we have the TNT Championship match, which was definitely the match of the night. Once again, Cody Rhodes, fucking unbelievable match. Orange Cassidy worked his ass off in this match. Holy shit, Dane. Can we talk about Orange Cassidy? Because we're going to talk about Cody's great. Cody's been great on every show they've put him on recently. But holy fuck, this in segment with Orange Cassidy, dude. Oh, my God. So good. What are your thoughts? Well, uh, you might hate my thoughts. I thought Orange Cassidy was really good. Um you know, uh, what he did, but I thought a lot of this was very, just ridiculously unbelievable. Um, 
I'm glad that Cody, you know, started getting pissed off by the antics of Orange Cassidy. Uh, but I mean, besides even just coming off the fucking ropes, <laughs> you know, I'm I'm glad he got him to do a, a shoulder collar elbow, you know, tie up. But uh, I don't know. I'm I've, I've realized I'm not the biggest Orange Cassidy fan. I think that Cody should have steamrolled him. I I don't understand how it goes to a draw. I think it's amazing who they pick for draws. Um, someone that could probably use it like a Brian Cage or a Brody Lee or a Lance Archer. But instead, Orange Cassidy, who gets another championship from this fucking thing somehow. Uh, well, I guess because it was a draw. But lost to Brody two weeks previous uh, he gets so many championships, and, uh, you know, at least, I don't know. I, I I didn't need it. I thought it was a good match. I thought that Cody basically got Orange Cassidy through a pretty good match, basically. Wow. All right. Well, I'll say this. The last four minutes of the match where Orange Cassidy takes over and you have the rush for the time limit, I thought was very good. You saw a different version of Orange Cassidy, and you also saw a very hurt Cody Rhodes, and they played off that very, very well. The commentary was really, really good. Um, Orange Cassidy did no nonsense during that last three or four minutes. Actually, during the majority of this match. And, like, look... You're either going to like Orange Cassidy or you're not going to like Orange Cassidy. And you can make assumptions about, like you were saying, there's better things that you could do with the booking for this title. Like, why did Brody Lee lose the title? That's a good, <laughs> like, that's a good question. Um, but, like, Orange Cassidy's thrusted in here. I thought he had a really, really fucking good match. And uh, the time limit draw would be the only thing that I would uh, put like a thumb on you you could have just had orange Cassidy tapped at the figure four uh unless you're turning cody heel and that is the thing i'm wondering honestly because cody was very fucking healers in this but i feel like he even went back to his blonde hair again so i guess he just did the fucking dark brown for that show whatever you know but uh we we've said he's like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna turn against you guys and I've been watching uh, Nitro from '96 and you know what we were talking about with Sting he had a very similar approach and all of a sudden he was like you know what fuck you people you guys don't give a shit about me Lex Luger doesn't give a shit about me no one gives a shit about me I'm gonna fucking take a break you know this right after obviously the NWO thing and then he came back as the Crow Sting. Um, I'm not saying Cody's going to do anything like that, but there's just similarities, man. And he was definitely acting a bit more heelish in this match. And I did like that dynamic. I just, like I said, I, I don't know. I like Darby Allen up in the crowd looking over and observing because I'd love to see Darby actually be the one who takes that title away from him. So if we got to get through orange Cassidy, that's fine. If if the end if the end game is Darby Allen versus Cody Rhodes, with possibly Darby Allen taking that title away from him, I'm down because that 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 to me is that was 
A match between the two of them was one of my favorite matches on Dynamite, and we're talking about the year anniversary. Um, just like Cody and Sammy Guevara was one of my favorites, which was the first fucking match. Cody's really good, <laughs> if you can't tell. Cody's damn good. Do you remember that Cody-Goldust match? That first one, brother versus brother. God damn, yeah. it's so good. Incredible. He's been so Do you remember when good. both me and you did not really consider Cody? Like, you know, back when he was uh, going against people in New Japan, like going against his own faction. Like, he was fine. And then it's like, I swear to God, ever since he had a match with Nick Aldis, he just has raised himself. And when he switched to babyface, it just really solidified him in a different light as a wrestler. I mean, some of that, I think, is working the American style versus the Japanese style. And also, he had a drug addiction, apparently, which he made reference to oh. on uh, not this week's show, but last week's show. He said something about being 11 months clean. That's awesome. If that's the case. Yeah, so good for him. Like, I don't know. Painkillers would be my guess because, holy shit, does this guy kill himself every match he has? Um, but like, like you said, when we watched him in New Japan, we we're like, he's average. Um, but there, he he's a great storyteller, and American wrestling is way different than Japanese wrestling. There's way more storytelling in American wrestling than Japanese wrestling. Absolutely, that's why I think that like when you consider overall best in ring, you know, maybe wrestler, I guess I would say Kazuchika Okada because. He's able to make, you know, a match look so incredibly performed. But when it when it comes to in ring storyteller, I think Cody's actually got that nowadays. He's just incredible inside the ring. He can make a, you know, like it's the difference between a Finn Balor fucking Kyle O'Reilly match compared to a Roman Reigns Jey Uso match. Which, like right now, I really want to see Jey Uso hit him with a chair again. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, no, it's it's all about the emotion, right? It's about the feel. I mean, I love a good ass match. And at the time when uh, you get the Kenny Omega and the uh, Okada matches, it's like Kenny had been building for forever, and that's what made the storyline. It wasn't really about. It was like can Kenny finally do it because they had the he lost, and then. Over time, or not over time, but uh, time the, the time limit draw, and then he find like you knew he's finally gonna win. You're like, ah, come on, Kenny, <laughs> you finally got this, bud. It, it was so good, but that that's just good storytelling between two wrestlers. But uh, like Cody yep. does it with every fucking match. It doesn't matter who he's wrestling with. He's like, I'm gonna tell a story, and he definitely took on the role of the heel. Whether he's going to be heel or not, it doesn't matter. But he was like, well, Orange Cassidy's over his fuck, so I guess I'm the heel here. And he wrestled that way. And he did. it was incredible. I'll say this about uh, I'll say this about Cody Rhodes real quick before we move on to the next match. is uh, Week to week, he's the wrestler that's kind of must-see. Like, you have to see his match. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, he's he's gonna do something that's gonna impress you. Maybe it's splitting his forehead open or 
but regardless, he's he just he really cares about the product he puts out, and it shows in his in ring work, and that's impressive as fuck. I mean, I don't, you know, obviously it's not like if we're gonna get into like match quality and shit, like in ring work, maybe not better than like Finn Balor versus Colin Raleigh, but. <laughs> They also killed each other, so <laughs> yeah, uh, it's, it's 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 a weird thing, but damn, Cody, when he shows up, he's gonna have a good match. Especially he, he you can tell that he cares so much about wrestling, and it, you can feel the intensity in his promos. And like I said, I I think nowadays when you when you think of superstar which is a very hard concept to equivalent with wrestlers. People throw that out very easily. I, I don't think, you know, for instance, Seth Rollins is necessarily a superstar just because he's been with WWE for a while. I think he's a great wrestler. He's putting his time. But there's only like three this age superstars, and I feel like that's Okada, that's that's Roman, and that's Cody. I feel like they're three people that equivalent you know, newer age. It's not 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 counting Jericho's, Tanahashi's, and stuff like that. They're just on a different level right now. The way they're presented. Yeah, I would I would throw Naito up there too. But yes, sure. I agree with that list 100%. Naito is so fucking over in Japan. He is just so fucking over. Um, Besides that but... one town, I forgot which one it was, but. <laughs> Osaka? Is it Osaka? Yeah. <laughs> I just see him in. It's probably because he just threw a title belt at the concession stands or something. Because <laughs> I don't even give a fuck. Um, no, yeah, I think you're. If I had to pick like the two people that are the most over in the United States right now, over or hated, it would be Cody and, and Roman. And Roman's running away with this thing with a bullet, by the way. Yep. Me too, though. All right. So I like the casting match. You didn't like the casting match. We'll move on. Well, I, I will say, I, I don't want to say I didn't like the match. It's just after a while, it's like, oh, my God. Like, I don't know. I mean, Orange Cassidy just does not look that threatening. It looks like. To me, at least, Cody's helping them look better, basically. But, I will say, uh, I will say, go back and watch it and pay really close to what Jim Ross and Tony was doing on commentary, because they really sold that like you got a beat down version of Cody from the from the chain match. They did a really good job of like, yeah, but he's yeah. like fighting half a Cody. <laughs> he's fighting That's half a good Cody. Point. Uh, which they do with Orange Cassidy, and that sucks for him. But like, you know, Cody left with the title, so it doesn't really matter. But uh, if it leads to a three match between, I, I mean, I guess it's gonna be him and uh, Brody and Cody. Getting Cody out of the the television title picture is not necessarily the worst thing that could happen. Or Darby, yeah, I guess. Figure out a way to put him in the uh, the main title picture, but fuck, they screwed themselves over on that. Yeah, that was just dumb booking. All right, so we have an AEW Women's World Championship match. Sheeta 
defeated Big Swole and retained the title. I wrote, this is my notes, this is my exact notes. This is a good match. It's fine. Not as good as Yoshirai. I think Big Swole. <laughs> I agree with your notes, by the way. Uh, I think Big Swole <laughs> is is a great character. I'm not saying she's not a good worker, but she looked green as fuck in this match. Hikaroshida definitely was the one that, to me at least, was one showing off. And uh, if I know, I know Big Swole beat. Britt Baker in that whatever-the-fuck match at the dentist's office. <laughs> oh, uh, God, that was so terrible. <laughs> but I hope Britt Baker's actually going to take that title away from Hikaru Oshida. I think she's great. I just think that she's had a good reign, and it's time to get that on a good, well, what they think is a heel at least, but I agree with you, Chris, is that she's probably more than that, you know. But either way, um. This this was Hikaroshita bringing in Big Swole to a decent match to me. And uh, Big Swole, like I said, she's got a lot of energy, personality. She's athletic as shit. But she was definitely kind of visible in this match a bit compared to the performer she was going against. Yeah, I have to agree with you. Stardom fans, put, put, put your earmuffs on. She is not that good. Hey, Dane, Sheeta is not that good. Can we say that now? Are we allowed to? Yeah, yeah, she's not Oscar <laughs> good. <laughs> she's not Eo good. <laughs> we need Rio back, honestly. <laughs> yes. Uh, Sheeta was great here, but she's not the person that's going to get over that women's title belt. They need I, think, I think... To me, she is a good wrestler, but when, when it comes to being the champion and having to have good wrestling matches with other people, you know, Rosa. Maybe Thunder Rosa. Uh, um, <laughs> even Sheena Deeb, I mean, for Baker, there there are some other people that I think could just do overall a little bit of a, a better job. One thing that occurs, she I think that you'll agree with me. One thing that kills her a bit is the fact that she is, uh, you know. Um, she can't she can't speak to the audience as well as other people. And Britt Baker, even though she's not the greatest in ring wrestler, she just has so much personality. And if uh, what the fuck, what I want to know is what is Kong doing? Because I hate the fact that uh, what this call was canceled because they recorded almost the whole entire thing. But oh she's wow, not, yeah, she's not doing a goddamn thing. So it's like, what, what, why the hell don't, don't we have Kong back at least? And if she's not going to be a wrestler, I think she's someone that could help really work and develop the women's division itself, storylines, and also working with the wrestlers themselves because well, she has uh, so much experience. Apparently, from what I've heard, the only person that Aja Kong, opposite Kong, uh, the only person that Aja wanted to work with was Awesome Kong. She wanted that monster versus monster match because she had never gotten it in America. Um, Don't tell me they told her that shit and then it didn't happen, obviously. Well, well, to be fair to AEW, they didn't know COVID was going to happen in Glow and all this other weird shit. Yeah. (laughs) You know, like, like how can you predict all of that? Um, 
Kenny Omega was definitely going with a very stardom roster, and he should look at someone like a Britt Baker and be like, I'm just saying we need to change things up. I'm just saying between the two of them, especially with Kenny, you know what Kenny doesn't have? Charisma? No, a (laughs) vagina. A fucking vagina. And I'm sorry, but Brandy is not going to be the best person to be able to equivalent female wrestlers. And I'm not trying to be a dick about that. I think she's a great valet. I don't think she's a bad wrestler. But they need someone that's an experienced wrestler from the past. Just like Kevin Sullivan's able to help out Tony Khan and, and Cody and a lot of them, and they have Dee Malenko and all those other people. I think they need a female wrestler. Deeb's good, but she's better at working with the talent themselves, you know, and trying to get them better in ring-wise. But storylines, stuff like that, I think they need someone to help them out because Kenny Omega does not have a vagina. So that's going to be my main thing against him for that. Yeah, well, I I thought you were going to go charisma because his promos have been dog shit. God, don't even get me started. I love Kenny, but Jesus. I love Kenny versus Okada. <laughs> Very specific. But, uh, yeah, no, nah, the women's division in NXT is uh, lacking in comparison. It's not in NXT. And AEW is very lacking in comparison to what we see in AEW every week. Like, every week in AEW, you get a good matchup, like a good women's matchup. And they have some great starts. They have some great stars, but I don't see them. Where's Abaddon? Where the fuck? It's it's fucking October. Where the fuck is the female Bray Wyatt that can actually perform better than him in the ring? Well, Wyatt. she's doing the heels for uh, the heels for charity thing. I saw. Uh, yeah, I saw that, and that's cool. And she's also been on Dark, but like, why not have her on her main product? She's actually good in the ring, and she looks creepy as fuck. Ugh, I don't know. She she's scared of Thunder Rosa. <laughs> you know how awesome that match would be. It would be like a Muda Sting thing. You know what I'm saying? Like, do it's, it. It's it's great. You should do it. Thunder Rosa. Like I don't know if they realize this, but Thunder Rosa immediately became the most over person as far as the female division goes on their entire roster. Yep. And she didn't even win. <laughs> <laughs> like she's just that fucking good. I mean, as someone that would put over Orange Cassidy, there's no way you could look at Thunder Rose and be like, huh? <laughs> like, like Orange Cassidy got himself over good. Congrats, bro. You did. Like you did it. You did it. Thumbs up. But like <laughs> Thunder Rose showed up, had the best women's match you've ever had in your company twice. Three times. <laughs> and then you're like, I don't know. I guess I guess Sheeta versus. Uh... <laughs> yeah, it makes no sense, man. It feels bad for Sheeta, honestly. Sheeta's a great wrestler. She's just not. The... She is. She's not. She doesn't have the, the persona. Nope. And don't and and everyone that's gonna be like, oh, it's a language barrier, mother. Get at me on Twitter because Oscar cutting promos in Japanese is fucking great. Like Yoshirai. Yeah. Two like, words. 
Sorry. <laughs> Bullshit. Yes. You you can get your shit over regardless. Like, I don't... You know, there was two years where Asuka didn't say shit. You can say bad booking, whatever. Like, Sheeta is not an Asuka. She's not an Iyo Shirai. She's not a Kiri Zane. Um, she's not a Rio, honestly, if I'm being... If I'm being completely fair to AEW. Now, but, Rio uh, had that Rey Mysterio concept to her. Yep. Alright, so we'll move through this. Um, AEW World Championship non-DQ match. John Moxley versus Lance Archer with the Jake the Snake Roberts. What are your thoughts on this match before I get super into it? Because I did not like it. <laughs> John Maxler. Um, I thought it was fine. Just a really bad blow off towards a feud that was built up. I know that you guys have less pay-per-views. And you guys do same thing that NXT is doing and a lot of people are doing with like these pay-per-views on television. It's something that, that, that's been done since WCW was doing Clash of Champions. I get that. I completely get that, but Lance Archer got built up to be beaten again, and they had a brawl because they were fighting throughout the whole entire fucking show, so they're like, we're going to make this no DQ all of a sudden out of nowhere, which is fine, but here's the thing. I would love the non-John Moxley fans, because they say that all he can do is brawling, to have some great wrestling matches, because I have personally seen Dean Ambrose in situations where you can put off a match that doesn't have to be non-fucking DQ. And I know we're trying to like try to go by nah. that whole CCW <laughs> type of vibe, but it's just it's stupid after a while. Not every fucking match. You have like someone, at least in your company... I've always said more more so reminds me of like the way that, you, that you're literally positioning him reminds me more of like a DDP, but has got that like Terry Funk kind of quality, especially when he's shown in Japan and Lance Archer is like, you know, a Stan Hansen concept and they did beat the living fuck out of each other. But after a while it was very predictable. I knew it was going to happen. And John Moxley getting the win. I like Eddie Kingston joined the, the, the commentary group. And throwing that flavor into it and kind of threatening JR at certain points. I thought that was awesome. So now we're going to get John Moxley and Eddie Kingston. Okay. All right. I I like Eddie Kingston more so as as than, you know, actually have a really structured wrestling match. Uh, so that means that we're going to have another John Moxley D, no DQ match at some point in the future. And I don't see Eddie winning that match at all. So I'm not trying to be a dick, but uh, just being realistic. Um, but yeah, that's how I felt. Thought it was fine, but you know they 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 beat the living hell out of each other. It was no DQ, but it just gets to a point where it's it's not there's there's not a lot of point towards it. Yeah, I have to agree with you. Um... God, there's only so many of these matches we can watch where John Moxley uh, basically kills himself. <laughs> um, I think the biggest thing, the, the biggest takeaway is the Eddie Kingston thing, and if he's going to put someone else over, 
like a uh, like a Pentagon or a Ray Phoenix and to set a feud off with that. But uh, it was pretty much just uh, Dean Ambrose whipping wholesale ass as expected. Very uh, underwhelmed because wasn't this the battle royal winner? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so. I don't know. I mean, like, how do you feel about that? Like, you you whipped everybody's ass in this battle royal, and then you're. <laughs> I mean, I guess it makes Dean uh, Dean Ambrose look song, strong, or, or John Moxley look strong. But like, where do you go with it? And, and and to me, it's like you have to go with Ray Phoenix or Pentagon winning the title, not Kingston. So I feel like Moxley is going to be going against Kingston for whatever, you know, episode of Dynamite, and they'll do that, and I'll beat Kingston, and he'll go against whoever's going to win the, you know, tournament itself, which there's a good chance. I mean, a lot of us would like to at least see this uh, between it being, you know, I love the tournament and how they're doing the uh, the matches, the fact that it's Phoenix versus Pentagon. Forgot who's Kenny's going against. It just seems like after a while, with a lot of these feuds that they've built, that it is eventually going to be Kenny versus um, uh, the the cowboy. Why the hell can I remember his name? Um, Adam Page. There you go. Yeah. It seems like that's going to be the last match, or that's what they're at least kind of feeding us. So if it's if it's either Kenny Omega or Adam Page. Um, it's gotta be him and them and Moxley in a normal wrestling match eventually. Who would you want if you could pick anyone out of the roster to carry that title right now? Because to me, it's not Moxley. I don't think Moxley's a title guy. I mean, I love Moxley. I think he's a good promo. If especially if you let him just roll, but I don't think he's the title guy. And I think, you know, Vince saw that as well, which is crazy to say. But, you know, sometimes Vince McMahon's right. He did it for a, a lot of years. <laughs> but who would you put in the title picture right now? Well, um, yeah, it wouldn't be Moxley. And for everything, at least they tried with Moxley. There's plenty of people they don't actually give the fucking title to. Over in WWE, um, and we know what happened afterwards. But I'm just saying, to get even to that level is pretty impressive. But um, if I were to give it to anyone else right now, I can't believe my head's going this way. But it's kind of towards a heel Kenny Omega, if they can build him up, and they can make him that much more vicious, have more similarities towards the cleaner version, and actually work. See, the thing I don't think that they actually do, or at least there's certain wrestlers maybe that don't... This has been noted in AEW, that certain wrestlers don't care about the advice from certain older wrestlers. Now, we don't know who the fuck those people are, but I would hope that Kenny would be the someone that would take advice and maybe really work to not sound so goddamn generic when he's doing a promo because he's been terrible about it. But if you have Akil Kenny Omega... Champion, but if I were to pick anyone, it's a person that can't win it, and the one that we talked about earlier is Cody. It's obvious. 
Yeah, I think mine would either be MJF or Adam Page. Because I think enough, it, those two, 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 those two, two, definitely. Those would be the two that I would pick. Not that like Kenny, obviously Kenny Omega is a great wrestler, um, but you gotta carry that title in the same way that Jericho and Moxley has carried that title. I always thought Moxley was a transitional champion, and they never got there. And I think part of that is the bastard pack uh, being stuck <laughs> where he's at. He's also would be a good choice for champion if he ever comes back. Yeah, absolutely. I, I just don't think that Kenny takes the American style of being able to perform. You know, he's only used to indie music or indie music. <laughs> indie music. Kenny only listens to fucking indie music. MGMT. That's his favorite artist. Um, no, but uh, Kenny's used to a certain style, very much like the Young Bucks, with the independent circuit, with New Japan, where he doesn't have to like talk as much, obviously. And I think that's something that, that hinders him, and I just don't think the American style of having to like try to actually act and be a character and try to be serious about stuff, try to turn your own version up a couple notches, I think that that's more of a joke for him, is what I'm assuming. Um, and it, it shows. It shows with him, and it shows with the Young Bucks. It really does. Yeah, it shows how fucking good Okada is. <laughs> like, oh, Absolutely. Never mind, sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, I agree with you on that one. All right, let's move on to the NXT. You ready for the NXT, bro? I'm ready, bro. Are you sure, bro? Bro. Uh, Yeah. We're we're just kidding. There's no Matt Riddle on NXT. Sorry, guys. Unfortunately, pretty good draft pick. Did he even get drafted, Dane? I don't have the draft results in front of me, but didn't Matt Riddle even get drafted? Yeah, he's staying on. Um, he, he got drafted to SmackDown, opposite AJ of uh, Seth Rollins. So he he got uh, drafted to Raw because Seth didn't really like him. So they're on opposite brands. Because he made a pregnancy joke one time. Seth's pissed. His his wife um, made some comments about his uh, his soon to be wife's uh, body uh, about a year ago. So <laughs> apparently that, they don't like each other. A little bit of body shaming, I guess. I, if I'm Becky Lynch, instead of the 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 weird feud, I'd be like, let's make that money, and also like, fuck you, you're not even on TV, asshole. <laughs> like that's what I would be like. <laughs> well, maybe she's insecure because Matt Riddle decided to have an affair with someone else. I don't know. Uh, oh, shots very, fired. Very, very shots fired. Matt Riddle's like, bruh. <laughs> God, I'm looking Matt, for the match me. results. I, 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 I lost him. All right, let's see here. Just a lot of G1. All right, there we go. 
Okay. So the first match we had was Bobby Fish and Roderick Strong with Kyle O'Reilly hanging out, even though he's uh, not cleared to participate, supposedly, versus Denny Burch and Oni Lorcan. Um, my God, this is a good match. <laughs> uh, I'm going to say, uh, I'll, I'll give it a recap real quick. Early on, Lorcan and Strong. They had a grappling in the center, and then Birch tagged in, torturing Strong's arm. He was really twisting the shit out of it. Fish was next to tag in, and he worked it over as well. Birch and uh, Lorcan, bunch double team moves, just focusing the arm. Undisputed Era with a, had a huge comeback here in the middle of the match. Then we cut to commercial. Fish made a save for Strong and the Undisputed Era regained the advantage. And it sucked. It was all terrible. Uh, <laughs> Birch uh, landed a double flying dropkick on Strong and Fish. Lorcan uh, hulked up, basically ran wild, got the hot tag, executed a double blockbuster. And then uh, Bobby Fish jumped in to make the save on the pin. Our finish was we had a huge melee at the beginning or at the end there with Strong and uh, Birch and Lorcan. And uh, Strong somehow got the pinfall here. That's what I remember from the match. What do you think, Dan? How do you think about this? I thought it was pretty fucking good. I thought it was aggressive. I thought it was hard-hitting. Like I was saying, uh, there was a distinct difference between both shows, at least to me, with guys that went through the Performance Center than ones that did not. And Tramperetta actually did go through the Performance Center, obviously, early on. But uh, just in this match specifically, as as much as it sucks to be jobber guys, at least Oni Lorcan and Danny Birch have still that credibility of being two fucking just badasses, just aggressive dudes. And I thought it was great. I think it's very telling that Adam Cole was not with them and that Kyle O'Reilly is kind of in the lead. I would not think it would be weird if actually, you know, like a lot of people have said, that if Adam Cole ends up splitting from these guys, if they end up taking over as a heel team and Kyle O'Reilly takes the lead, which I have no problem if they do that. I'd rather just say fuck it and keep the undisputed era together, but it just seems like there's enough signs where that might be happening. But um, itself, I thought it was a really great hard-hitting match, very good tag match, solid as hell, and uh, yeah, good match to open up with because – I was watching the FDR Tag Team Championship match on the anniversary <laughs> show of AEW, and I was my eyes were pulling over to the NXT Tag Match because, dude, I mean, seriously, Undisputed Era. I mean, fucking amazing. It doesn't matter if you put Roderick, Kyle, Bobby, whoever. If you just put one of them with the other one, they put on a great match. Yeah, they were basically like, we're going to throw the good tag team guys together and see what happens. Also, <laughs> Lorkin, what you got? It's ridiculous. It's, they could be so good. They need to do something with those guys. Um, so we had a vignette 
and I want to know how you feel specifically where Ember Moon is talking about her journey back to NXT and uh, and all the obstacles she overcame. Do you think this fits her character? Because it is very Tony Storm. Very, it's pretty much what they've done with all injury angles. And Ember Moon is supposed to be kind of a mystical character. What are your thoughts on this one? Mama wants that gold, baby. Yeah, I don't think I'd ever hear her saying that in my head, ever. Uh, um, <sighs> I don't know how I feel about it. I just want to give Ember the uh, credit and hope that she can really add to this division and really bring herself back up to prominence. But I agree with you. I think it's kind of weird, the interpretation they're going for, basically. Yeah, it's it's just so it's just very very strange. I mean, I get it. They were doing something suspenseful, but she's already revealed herself, so the vignette was very very weird to me. All right, uh, squash match. Jake Atlas defeated Ashante the Adonis very quickly. Might I add? Uh, any thoughts on this match? I mean, I guess it was interesting. It's supposed to make Jake Atlas look good, uh, somewhat, I guess. But like, you know, with a with a Shanti, they're just now introducing him with a really stupid name. Not that his other name, you know, in wrestling, what was it, Hootie Miles, wasn't the greatest or anything like that. But I don't know. We're getting three on three soon. It's going to be the the mix of Raúl Mendoza, DJZ. And Phantasmo against, you know, Isaiah Swerve. Yeah, that's what they're building to. Cool. I don't know. Yeah. I don't watch watch 205 anymore, man. I don't. And that probably doesn't help. I I guess the thing to take out of this match is Isaiah Swerve Scott came out and he had like four chairs in his hands. And he was like, I'm about to whip the ass. Of everybody this nearby, uh, and then you know, baby faces is strong. That's pretty much it. Uh, we have Johnny Gargano uh, beating Austin Theory, who is just the weekly whipping boy who's putting out good matches. He is basically the Dolph Ziggler of the company right now in NXT. Uh, holy shit, what a good match! Anything particular you loved about this one? I thought it was an amazing match. I thought it was good for Johnny Gargano to really go and work well with Austin Theory. Obviously, I don't know if he's in a punishment period or what, but he it, it the matches that he's having against anyone, he's still having long, long matches and still looking really good within them. So he's getting able to show up and kind of show off. Now, what we'd see with Cancel Ray with... Um, can't remember the female wrestler that hands her knuckles later on. Shots, Shotzi. No, 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 no. She was going against Shotzi, but someone handed her uh, brass knuckles that was in the audience, and she gave him oh, the, the, um... the TV. Indy Hartwell. I, w- with the ending, with Johnny Gargano kind of like, you know, approving Austin Theory, I kind of think that, and if this happens, this might be the thing that makes me 
not change my mind, but give a little bit more like, all right, I'll look into it. Because I can't stand the Gargano, you know, fucking him and his wife being the, the douchebags of the neighborhood. Like, I don't know. Um, but if they're that they're now going to take Austin theory, maybe and Indy Hartwell under their wing. And that's going to be something that will be presented kind of, I'm kind of down, but I thought they had a great fucking match. And once again, Austin theory proves that he is someone that's going to be really good in the future. Um, depending on where they, they decide to put him. Yeah, I thought it was a very, very good match. I love the ending. Um, Gargano hit that huge cross body and Theory caught him in the middle of that match. And they got him with a fireman's carry. You know what I'm talking about? Like towards yep. the middle of that match. And then they just started going fist to fist to fist to fist in the center. And, and uh, Gargano throws him into the corner. And uh, one final beat happens because Theory goes and like hits the fucking corner post like a lawn dart and gets immediately murdered, which is really weird because the rest of the match is like theory was taking a lot of offense, but that's very similar to the rest of our recaps of Austin theory matches. He's like, I'm going to do a lot of shit, but I'm also going to (laughs) die. Very similar to Gargano matches. I'm going to sell for forever and win at the end, I guess. So, uh, very strange. I, I don't know what they're doing with Austin Theory. I don't either. Do you, all right, you know you know my my uh, comparisons. You, you want to know who my Johnny Gargano comparison is? Dean Malenko. <laughs> Did I say that earlier? Did I say that earlier? No. No, no. I, I was just taking a guess. <laughs> that was Roderick Strong. Um, no, actually, Terry Taylor, which is one of his... Uh, you know, uh, what should we call it? Tra- Teachers. Tra- trainers. Yeah. Great ring worker. Not a lot of personality. You can try as a heel. Probably won't work out. More so as a baby face. Just please, WWE, if somehow you're listening to this with your bots, uh, do not make him the Red Rooster. Don't do that to Johnny Gargano. I mean, why not at this point? He's already the TV guy. Might as well be the Red Rooster. <laughs> so we had a match between Candice LeRae and Shotzi Blackheart. I'm gonna go ahead and say I didn't like the finish of this just because Shotzi lost, and they seemingly are pushing her to be a big uh, member of this female division. Uh, good match, nothing too crazy. The finish was pretty much a. Uh, Blackheart, she hit a uh, cattle mutilation, forcing the Ray to seek shelter in the ropes. Blackheart with the flying Thez press afterwards, and then she climbed the ropes again. Candice LeRae, she just shit back heel, rolled out of the ring. And Indy Hartwell was watching the match from Ringwell, uh, ringside and handed LeRae a set of Brack Nooks, which you alluded to earlier. And uh, you can guess what the finish was. Shotzi got fucked up. I don't understand. Bullshit. I don't understand the Indy Hartwell, uh, Candice LeRae, Johnny Gargano thing, but maybe you can explain this to me, Dane, because I, I, I don't get it. Like, why are they friends? 
Well, it seems like Johnny's going to have a threesome soon, so I'm happy for him. Uh... <laughs> you can't say that anymore. <laughs> We're going to get yeah, canceled. Yeah, fuck them. Hey, Twitter, how's it going? You guys aren't that big, but somehow you have a huge voice. Anyways, um, no, I thought this was, uh, this honestly was a great fucking wrestling match. It might have been one of the better matches on the, uh, the, the show. I will say, though, all right, look, Alex Shelley did the spot that you want to do, Shotzi, and I don't know if I've seen you do it successfully because I only picked up on it. Uh, when you fucked it up recently, but don't do the slice of bread off the fucking turn or the uh, the the post itself on the on the apron. It's just not needed because I've seen Alex like now in a couple of matches where he just nails that. And I think he might have been the guy that invented that concept, but she almost broke her neck one time, and this, uh, there was another time where she kind of fucked it up, and this time she didn't do it. They kind of reversed it, which I was like, thank you, Jesus. Um, so I will say that I was kind of happy about that reversal. I don't know why that stood out in my mind, but these ladies beat the living hell out of each other. Candice and fucking Shotzi are awesome wrestlers in ring. Um, but yeah, the, the ending with the brass knuckles, we don't see brass knuckles, I guess enough. So whatever. Um, still curious of, uh, if Johnny is able to, you know, make sure both ladies are happy. That's all I'm going to say. I'm done. <laughs> Make sure you please them, you motherfucker. Don't think about yourself. There you go. Feminism. Um, was that a reference? Pants. Sure. Sure, why not? God uh, damn. <laughs> so, the brass knucks thing is just terrible because they've had so many finishes that could be brass knuckles and this is the one they choose to use it on that that's fine tony storm beat the absolute dog shit out of Aaliyah with uh rubber stone and uh imperium beat the hell out of killian dane and drink maverick because they couldn't get along surprise surprise I'll, I'll say that Tony Storm looked amazing in her match. She needed a strong win. I don't know what the fuck this means for Robbie. Um, with Aaliyah being, well, I guess Mercedes Martinez is coming back, but whatever. But Aaliyah apparently, at least on this, is his only, uh, um, whatever the hell you would call it, um, person that part of his stable. There you yes. go. Yeah. There, there, there <laughs> you go. That's a that's an easy way to simplify it. What was the next match? Oh, the next match is Damian Priest versus Dexter Loomis, which no, 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 no. Uh, the one the after uh, Tony Storm's match. Imperium uh, versus uh, Killian Dane. Imperium. Imperium. All right. You're going to hate me a little bit, but I thought some of this stuff with Drake Maverick beforehand with Killian Dane and also after the match was kind of funny. Uh, the fact that Killian finally um, <laughs> stuck up for him and went after uh, Everize after when they started beating the shit out of him. I thought that was, that was fine. Um, but, yeah, I don't care about any of this, really. So I'm not going to hate you for it, but I absolutely hated all of this. <laughs> Just have Imperium win the match. 
Like I, yeah, yeah. Um, they're really trying to get over the Ever Rise thing. They really are. It's not going to happen though. <laughs> remember, uh, they'll try fa- to do it. Remember, fake Sons of Anarchy. What, what was their name with Gunner from TNA? Oh, um, oh god, dude, Forgotten Sons. That's <laughs> yeah, yeah. What what are they doing right now? That's that's the same thing to me is. <laughs> <laughs> the uh the, this uh tech team uh, god i lost their name shit doesn't matter see see what i mean doesn't matter um forgotten sons oh, uh, rise. ever rise there you go the montreal okay i can't do that accent anymore from montreal <laughs> wait what the hell what kind of French accent was that? All right. Uh, let's go. NXT North American Championship. Damian Priest defeated Dexter Loomis to retain his title. And uh, this one's been hard debate <laughs> on the internet recently on whether this is a good match or not. Uh, some other podcasters have been really critical of it. How did you feel about it? Well, um, you know, besides what Brian and Vinny had to say about it, um, I mean, even though I agree with a lot of the aspects that they're that they are referring to with Dexter Loomis as a character and the inconsistencies and a lot of that type of stuff, um, you know, the fact that he's a babyface, which which makes no sense, and he's also in a fucking feud with Cameron Grimes, which me and you, I think, are a bit different with, but I still would not want to see him in a a ta- like a, a feud with him, like I mean, he screwed him over in this match. Uh, he gave him the, the caveman or whatever the fuck it's called on the apron, whatever. Uh, but for a while, the match between Damian Priest and uh, what's call it? Uh, I thought it was good. I thought it was really good back and forth. Um, I wish that they would use. Dexter Loomis in a heel way, because I feel like that's the one to go with. Now, the aftermath of the match bothers me, though, because Johnny Gargano, like, hits him with a fucking chair and shit like that. Now, again, he's going to be fighting Damian Priest and Halloween Havoc, and also Candice LeRae is going against Hiro Shirai. But don't worry, even though he already had these fucking matches, William Regal... He's going to pick some new stipulations for him. All right. Still think it sucks. Because, like, they already lost, so why the hell we give him another title chance? I really have a problem with that. Within multiple realms of wrestling, everyone. Just want to let you guys know that. I don't, if you lose, back of the line to me. But both these, this power couple, I guess, they're different. You're either back of the line or you have to fight the number one contender for the title after you, right? You would think. Um, yeah. yeah. But, you know, that makes way too much sense. Uh, this match was weird. I thought Dexter Loomis, like, ankle got decapitated the other week. Am I wrong on that? Um, decapitated. No, no, no. He, he, he came back recently from his injury. 
and he uh oh no no never mind that was uh that was um the rugby Rich Holland. The, yeah, the other Rich Holland. the other guy oh Shit. we also almost forgot until i just reminded myself is at the end of it end of it unless you had it separately and i apologize um we had the whole entire concept of uh, spin the wheel make a deal which um was presented by Shotzi Blackheart so we're getting that aspect back to Halloween Havoc, which is fine. Um, hopefully, is is a coal miner glove off the fucking option? Like it should have been. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah. And why is Shotzi happy with the fact that she's hosting the goddamn thing and not in one of the matches? Well, she's crazy. She has a tank, bro. That's why. <laughs> I don't know. Um... All right, I'm going to talk a little bit about this match. It sucks. It was one of the better Dexter Loomis' matches. I could see a lot of people either liking this match a lot, if you're behind Dexter Loomis, if you like that character. Um, but if you are very confused by that character, you're going to hate it. Uh, not Damian Priest's best match. It was It was pretty rough. This is a rough one to watch. Is that is it one of better like one of Loomis's better matches? Maybe. I don't know. We kinda got a fuck finish, so we're gonna get to see it again. Yeah. Alright, Dane. Well do you want to talk about Raw? No, not really. I mean, yeah, to be quite honest with you. All right, well, synopsis for us. Like, uh, what was your uh, favorite thing on Raw? Well, if uh, we're going to do that, let me... Um, what the hell happened <laughs> on the goddamn thing? I don't even know. Uh... <laughs> See, exactly. No one can remember three hours of this bullshit. It sucks. Well, Charlotte this was like, drafted. you know... <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't remember what happened. I don't remember. All I know is that somehow Raw, whoever fucking runs it, is really intelligent for getting retribution now, not only signed but also making sure that they got drafted to your fucking show. Um, yeah, just that that time period in which you signed the people that are literally trying to burn down your product every week. And also all five of them in one draft pick. Yeah, that was just dumb. I just, then you have like, you know, Kevin Owens and, and Alistair Black had a really good fucking match and, and Kevin Owens got one up on him. So I think that was a win towards their trilogy. Cause I think Alistair got the first one, Kevin Owens got the second one. So whatever, you know, and now they're on the, I think the same fucking brand again. I think, I think the coolest thing that happened, honestly, was Bray Wyatt, you know, and uh, Alexa Bliss both giving Strabagales to Andrade and uh, Selena Vega. I thought that was kind of like visually cool because they were able to do it and somehow because it's, it's very hard to fucking make sure something's in sync and wrestling, but they both nailed it at the exact same time 
Uh, other than that, I didn't really think much of Raw. Um, I, thought, I thought you were going to say, especially if you're Bray Wyatt, when none of your shit is ever in sync and it all looks like garbage. Well, no, I, not, no, <laughs> I, I, didn't, I didn't say that. I thought the Seth Rollins, Jeff Hardy, and AJ Styles match was fucking awesome. Uh, and that was a good way. I love how it got presented after Seth talked a bunch of shit when he was leaving and all of a sudden AJ comes out and he's like, don't worry, we don't need you. You suck. And I like, just kept on walking, and Seth was like, wait a minute, motherfucker. You know, I, came up <laughs> on him. I thought that was awesome. Um, and then we have Elias back, man. Elias took out Jeff Hardy. He's pissed that he thinks that he hit him when he was wasted. So they brought that back in, which is something I have to give a little bit of credibility to WWE for remembering. Uh, um, Except for you have to exclude the fact that this guy has not watched any of the product that he works on for the past four months in which they're like, Jeff Hardy totally didn't do it, guys. It was Seamus all along. Well, you know, it was supposed to be a redhead at least, and Seamus made the most sense. But, yeah, that, that that's a good point. Um, well, I, I'm also happy that Angel Garza is walking away from Selena and Andrade. You know, post whatever happens to him afterwards. But that's a question to you. You know, kind of talking about Raw, Chris. Drade is one of the only people that has not been signed. Now he's taken off some time for surgery, um, and him and uh, Charlotte are both supposed to be like making their recovery time for both of their issues at the same time to come back. So he's coming back in wrestling. There was some weird rumors going on, but do you think he might be going to NXT? Since he has not been signed to SmackDown on or, or Raw, think about the fact that Charlotte was Smack or was on Raw's, I think their their third pick, and she is injured. But apparently, if you're Mickey James or Andrade or whoever, uh, that doesn't count. But Charlotte, get her the fuck on one of those goddamn shows. I mean, to be fair to Charlotte, she's way more over than any of those people. Uh, <laughs> Uh, so, you know, Charlotte, you know, I'm always going to represent for Charlotte, um, man, uh, Andrade, I'm going to assume he ends up on raw just because Charlotte's there. They still have that weird relationship thing. Um, maybe back on two Oh five live for, um, his tag partner, Angel Garza. I don't know. Angel and him seem to be pretty much over with, which if that's the case for Angel, where he gets to go by himself, I think he can do really well. Um, how do you... Here's a question. I know it's... I'm bouncing off of Angel, but I love that Ricochet is now... He won a, you know, a match. I was kind of hoping that he would lose, honestly, be a part of the Hurt Business, but he ended up winning, and he did part of it because he did the whole entire Eddie Guerrero angle and tribute to him thought that was pretty awesome throwing the uh the the steel chair into the hands of cedric and then dropping on the ground it was really cool and i appreciated the finish but damn am i done with that storyline well apparently it's done unless they come after him for that it's apparently that was it's press puma I know, man. (laughs) Like, you can't find something for Ricochet to do. Are you serious? I know. I know, man. It's it's annoying. 
How do you feel that Lana is going to be going against Asuka on Monday since she won the, the Battle Royal? You excited? I'm I'm super stoked because I guess it's just another win for Asuka. Um, one thing I liked about this is immediately after Asuka just put a picture of her with the little like white mask with the green tears on it, like uh, doing the Burt Reynolds Playboy pose or Shawn Michaels uh, Playgirl pose. And uh, it's just gift in um, Leonardo DiCaprio being like, pay me like one of your French women, <laughs> which is pretty good. <laughs> also, everyone should go watch Oscar's YouTube channel. It's the best. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, that's awesome. But yeah, that, that pretty much was Raw. Apparently, um, we're not going to see any more of the uh, Raw Underground. That's done. Um, so oh, how about... I, well, here's one. Akira Tozawa got drafted, but I'm pretty sure he got ate by a shark. So where did No, he... he came back. He <laughs> okay. came back. He came back. He was fine. He tried to from, get our truth for the title. From getting ate by a shark, he just came back for that. He's... Just, <laughs> he's okay. <laughs> if you expect a sense of realism, I don't think you're going to get it, man. I mean, I don't expect a sense of realism. I just expect a sense of, like, respect for your fan base. The man either got ate by a shark or he didn't. <laughs> like, uh, uh, that'd be like if in, in Jaws. The girl from the very first scene of Jaws shows up on the boat at the very end. She's like, hey, guys. They're like, whoa, shit. We're going to need a bigger boat. And that's when they decided to end the show. Yeah, I think it's a good time to end the show. That was Ross Smackdown, AW, NXT, all that goodness. And uh, thank you guys for listening to us. We appreciate everyone's listen out there. Uh, new fans, old fans, whatever. Blue fans, red fans, um, uh, Dr. Seuss, other style material. Anyways, but uh, yeah, that that is Wrestling Geeks Alliance. Uh, we'll go back probably to the sh- two-show concept um, next week. Uh, so just to let you guys know, but... Um, that's all from us, and uh, yeah, we had, a, I think, a pretty damn good show. Enjoy talking with Chris, and to you guys about Raw, SmackDown, AEW, and NXT, and uh, we'll, we'll have, like I said, a little more of a review of the G1 tournament on our next show, where we talk about AEW and NXT and whatnot. That will go out um, probably Friday. Uh, we'll have actually two shows. Apologize. For the last week. And uh, yeah, Chris, say goodbye to all the beautiful, lovely people out there. Goodbye, all you beautiful, lovely people. If you want to talk about hockey, if you want to hear about hockey, you can check me out at, at Skates Throats. If you want to talk to me about wrestling or hockey or any sports in general, you can be at Chris Hart Patton. Uh, we also have a horror podcast up on geekvibesnation.com. So check that out. It's good stuff. Talk about uh, directors and uh, the best decade of horror. That sounds fun. As long as those lovely individuals don't pick like something like 2000s. Um, we're just doing Japanese remakes and weird uh, films. 
you know. Oh, someone does, but I I I bury the Japanese PG thirteen. So I I Thank was there for you, bud. <laughs> Thank you, I appreciate that. But anyways, yeah, go to Wrestling Geeks Alliance on Google. Search us. You can find different audio platforms to listen. We're on Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes. Uh, sometimes we put our stuff on YouTube. You know, so check it out. I believe Red Zone's another one. Um, or go to geekvibesnation.com. And, uh, you know, if you go there, you can find news articles from our various writers. We're part of that team. We have an Instagram. We have a Facebook. We have a Twitter at Geek Vibes Nation. You can find me on Twitter at Danals42. Or you can just look me up at Dan Owls on Facebook. I don't really go on Facebook anymore, but message me. You can join Geek Vibes Nation. And, yeah, thank you guys always, or as always, I should say, for listening to our show. We always enjoy doing it with you. And just have a wonderful weekend. Have a great day. Just do what you got to do. Just be nice to other people. Just do that. Try to do that. I don't even know if I do that, but still, just try. Humor me, if you will. And thank you so much. Peace out. Let the key vibes be with you. Have a good one, guys.